the final or at least penultimate episode of the dark friend social we'll probably come back for a, a final recap with scott um but yeah welcome back for wheel of time season two episode eight i am joined once again by aaron from the isn't it neat pod welcome back yay we're very excited to be back for the finale. Um, there will be no main episode this week because Scott is in Disney, which is very exciting for Scott. So he's in Disneyland. We're not going to have a main episode. So Aaron and I will do what I anticipate being an extremely brief non-spoiler commentary section on this episode before diving into book mm-hmm. spoilers. So we'll let you know when that becomes official, but I anticipate it will be soon. So for non-book readers, I'm sorry. For book readers, you'll get Scott's thoughts probably sometime next week, but otherwise, look forward to spoilers. I have to say, I am very jealous of Scott at the moment being at Disney, and if I had a choice, I'd be at Disneyland too. Yeah. Yeah, same. Like, he's he's having a good time too. He's just gotten there. I've had yeah. a few updates from him. He's in the hotel. He just checked in, so... I'm jealous too, but he has seen the episode and is very sexy. And uh, it was um, to quote to quote Titanic, the most erotic moment of our lives as, the, as we got to the end of episode eight. <laughs> it was so exciting! He was like, "I'm so turned on right now by <sighs> Lampier," and I'm like, "I get it." Yep, so good. I was really happy with this finale. Yeah, what are your overall thoughts on, I guess we'll start with some show spoilers only, so we'll talk some brief no-book spoilers, mm-hmm. but what are your overall thoughts on the episode, the season, just sort of how how this went down in the end? I think it was quite a coherent season. Like, I feel like the threads fed through to the end, and it all kind of made sense. There were a lot of... Um, twists and turns on the way and I'm not sure how much of that is book reader goggles um being surprised by how they represented things from the books and how they've changed things a little bit differently like whether if you don't read the books you'd just be like oh cool yeah that's the thing that happens but to me I was like surprised but then also things made a lot of sense to me I agree. I think the changes they made made a ton of sense. And I think that I'm happy to report. I talked to one of my friends just a couple of days ago, just before the finale. So she'd seen, she'd seen up through episode seven and she is not a book reader, but she really enjoys the show. Mm -hmm. And she said that she thought it was really different from the other fantasy that she's watching on TV. And she watches all the fantasy shows. Like she's watching Shadow and Bone and The Witcher and you know she was a Game of Thrones fan Mm. and she's she watches all of the Star Wars and the Disney Plus like she's like in the nerd stuff that's out there right and um she said that she thought that this struck her as being really really different from the other fantasy that's out there and that she really really liked it and she was really into all of the especially what things that were happening this season like like with Teleran Riyadh and the Black Asha and stuff that we've been excited about and it's like so uniquely the wheel of time and she was like picking up on that and was stoked about it she was like this feels different it feels special there's something here I can't wait for the rest of it and I'm like okay I think this is this is landing well and Scott kind of has the same things to say like the forsaken and the variety and she really enjoyed the Shanshan for the same reasons that I do like I, I think it's landing well for show people 
which is awesome. Yay. Yeah, that yeah, is awesome. Thank God, right? One thing about this episode, as it went on, as it kind of unfolded, it, I had this weird kind of feeling like it some aspects were like a little simple and a little tropey and they just happen just because it's a fantasy show. You know, um, like when you see, when you watch like a, like say a Marvel film mm-hmm. that is big and action-y and you know exactly what you're going to expect. It's a popcorn film. You go in, it's action. It just happens. You just enjoy it. You don't think too hard about it. And then you come out like it kind of had that feeling but then also when I started trying to pin down the moments that were not as um uh well developed or not as nuanced I like can't find them I don't know it's it's hard to describe a really similar experience because when I watched it last night for the first time because I watched it twice first time I watched it I was admittedly quite drunk when I got home last night on Friday night, I will admit I had several beverages. I got home and was like, okay, like you have a responsibility to watch this television show. Like get your shit together. So I watched the episode and there were several bits uh, in particular in this episode. I thought Lan and Moraine's initial conversation. I also thought when Matt um, blows the horn, that I thought were poorly done. That I was kind of like, I felt the same way. I felt like this is tropey. It's just sort of happening. Like the like dialogue's lame. not very good. It's lame. It's not, it's not hitting. It's just sort of there. And then when I rewatched it, I was like, this was actually pretty good. Like I, so I, I get yeah, you. I, yeah, that very- I think it was, it's lame on the surface, but then when you start thinking about how it could have been done differently or, or but it's like, the way it's presented, it kind of works somehow. Yeah. It lacks the gravitas of Game of Thrones. When I think about like the ending of like a season three of Game of Thrones, I mean, or even a season one, like there was some, that, it, it, it had such an impact. And I think like, a lot of people, myself included, and I know you weren't a big Game of Thrones fan, right? No, I've only watched the first couple of seasons. I think a lot of people are going to have that be the standard. There's something about that show that held gravitas. Yeah, and even just thinking about sort of fantasy and what else is available, the color palette of this show is a lot brighter. And this episode in particular, it's very, it was very bright. Like it's almost yeah. like those scenes with Maureen and Lan are almost like that tropical blue ocean. Like it could almost be cartoon level of colourful. So maybe mm. that has something to do. Maybe that's just this weird um, implicit thing that's going on in my head of like it's cartoon colours. So it seems a little cartoony. Maybe so. And And interestingly, mm. and maybe it's just impossible to please, right? That was one of the biggest criticisms, Game of Thrones. You can't fucking see it. Like, I really, I like that it's daytime in the Wheel of Time. Like, we can see what's going on. Like, honest to God, one of the episodes in the final season of Thrones, and it's like a big battle, and it's like the last handful of episodes, and it's just like, you literally can't see. Like, it's just black. Yeah. And it just, it's like, it's like what the fuck? So I, I don't know, maybe it's impossible to please, but there were definitely elements of this that I thought didn't quite hit. But also, 
it was pretty sick. And the, and people who are show only people seem very mm-hmm. satisfied. Like Scott was losing it. He was so yeah. stoked about Matt in this episode. So uh, maybe, maybe there's that. I was getting voice memos yeah. from him, like screaming. And I was doing the same thing, but I, again, was quite <laughs> drunk. I was, my messages were not coherent when I was watching this the first time. Yeah. So. I had, I had you messaging me and I'm like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. Like finally, like, cause I like I watched it and I was like, I want to talk to Lindsay, but I can't because she hasn't watched it. And I don't want to like give anything away, like even my level of excitement for like various things. So I just like usually just send you like one message that's really vague. Your struggle is And then so I also real. had my sister, my sister started binging the entire show. So she's going to wait until it finished airing. And she started binging. So we she watched the first four episodes yesterday. So I have you in like one app messaging me about episode eight. And then my sister just like stream of consciousness messaging through the first four episodes. So I'm trying to remember where everyone's at. I'm like, what's going on? It's all just very exciting. And I love it. When I watch before Scott, like I'm holding spoilers from him as well, right? But I just sent him voice memos of me squealing. Oh. I just- <laughs> Yeah, just let him be. He's like, and he's just texting like, "God damn it, I'm not home yet." And I'm like, I don't "Um, <laughs> so so mixed. It's it's. I'm with you, and then it's like it feels like mixed feelings, but I don't really know how they're mixed. Like, I have really nothing. Mm. I have a few things to say that are not entirely positive about this episode, but for the most part, I thought it was really good. I thought the whole season was good, but I also thought that kind of nothing happened mm. all season long, and but a lot happened. But a lot happened. We're still we're still at the beginning of the series. So it is only season two. Yeah. So it might feel like, especially when you know the whole arc of all the characters and you want to kind of get there, you want to see them at the end. And so yeah. it kind of feels like things are happening slowly. But a lot of things are happening. But you get the feeling of there is more to this world. There's a lot more that's going to happen and is going to be revealed. So I think that's kind of a good thing overall um but I'm the same I have little nitpicky things about the episode I think this episode and episode five was my other one that I was a bit like I feel like they're not the best episodes in terms of like shots and and the way some things have been executed like those minute details but overall the story and the arc of each of the, the characters and where it's going over the whole season and how it all came together I think was done really well and it's like like this episode and episode five are like you know only seven and a half out of ten instead of being like nine and a half ten out of ten like it's not like they're still really good yeah 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 I really can't wait I think we should do an like side note I think we should do an episode next week with Scott because I'm really curious what he thinks, because my thoughts are mostly about how it's being adapted. I think that's what's getting me, and I yeah. approve of the way it's being adapted, but I think that the ups and downs and surprises, rather than being able to just sort of roll with things, are kind of like we, like the elements that I was like, mm. I guess the thing that surprised me that's non-book spoilery is that we didn't have a big sky battle, mostly because that's like sort of spoken about in the show. Like, I kind of thought we yeah. would have a big sky battle, and we did not. But then Varen, Varen was the only one that said it. I think she said it once. He will be proclaimed above Toman's head 
Um, like she says the prophecy about above Toman's head and in the sky a couple of times early on. And then from then on, it's he will be bannered across the sky or he, he will be proclaimed bannered across the sky that Maureen says a couple of times like the episode in episode seven. So when it happened, I was like, yeah, they, they set that up. Yeah, it made perfect up. sense. It actually, and, and so this yeah. is where I guess I'm thinking like maybe it is just being a book reader that makes it tough on some of these things because as a show watcher that might just be like an awesome way that that prophecy comes true that's not exactly word for word the like what you would have expected the prophecy to mean it's kind of an Aes Sedai yeah. truth prophecy you know which I guess with that let's just go ahead and put the full warning on for just full book spoilers I'm sorry guys we'll have a non-spoiler something or other with Scott at some point in the future but uh yeah. Fuck it. I think just um, talking about Scott, um, Scott as a watcher and not a reader, is that he's able to kind of live in the now, like yeah. he's being presented with the story and like and he's thinking ahead and because it does, it makes you wonder what's going to happen next and that's essential for a TV show because uh, they want to set things up so that you're looking forward to season three and when it comes out you go, oh, it's that show we get to find out what's happening and then so on and so on. But yeah. he's able to live in the story as it's being presented to him in the moment, whereas as a book reader you're kind of trying to figure out. And even with like the Battle Above the Sky and Farm, we've been talking about that for the last two years as a fandom like are they going to do that what are they going to do which part of the books are they going to adapt and so we have certain expectations and we have certain ideas of how we would do things so when it happens I think it's always going to land um uh, differently to how they intended because they're presenting a story and a character and characters in a certain way and we've got kind of baggage yeah, it's never going to be exactly what we thought, even when we don't have like a clear picture of what we think it, because then we don't know. And things we think are essential. Yeah. And like, it's, I th I think what was weird um, for me in this season overall is that I have had it in my mind since the show was announced without any fucking doubt in my head, like no question in my mind, none, none, Erin, none. That, that the end of the second season minimum of this show would not end in the waste. I didn't think for one motherfucking second that we were going to spend two seasons of television on the first two books. Like, I really thought we were going to move faster than this, and I know that we will later. But the fact that we have been pacing with, I know that there's stuff, like, yes, book readers, I hear your mm -hmm. comments. But, like, I know there's stuff from season three that's been incorporated. I understand that book three is largely... Probably the the bulk of book three will get nixed because we've done most of it at this point and it'll just be whatever happens in mm. tier. But like the fact that we're basically at this point in step with books one and two like shocks me to my very core. Like I yeah. cannot believe that this season yeah. ended in bomb. What the fuck? Like how is this? And, yeah. and it ended like it wasn't even it's, – it's not even – this, there should be I think this is where there's a little bit of a fuck up and I wish everyone would just take what Game of Thrones did well and just take it forever in all fantasy because what Game of Thrones did really well was every first of all have a 10 episode season and second of all in every season episode nine was always the big fight this was episode nine of a Game of Thrones season there was always an episode 10 that 
put everyone on the trajectory that dealt with the aftermath of the season finales fallouts, like of the big end season battle fallouts, they had an episode to deal with that and to put everyone on their next trajectory so that the next season could start with the next adventure and not wrap up threads or Mm -hmm. responses or fallout from the prior big battle. And it kept the seasons moving forward. It kept it pacing. It kept it like, it was really well fucking done and they should do it here too. And I wish we had another episode. Yeah. I think that might be just a difference in, um, especially Game of Thrones watchers, having that expectation of how a 10 episode series arc is structured. An eight episode series arc is structured differently. And just because it's different, people might struggle with it like like you've said like you're struggling with it I am Um, and but and even when it's announced like you've got that 10 episode arc in your head so that's what you're kind of thinking and then you're like how do you cram it into eight but then eight is just a different structure and they have to work with what they're given so for me having not been attached to the 10 episode arc I'm like no I like how it ends it's good I hate it I need another episode at least (laughs) I'm not content. Yeah. I'm like, I need at least one more. Need your epilogue at the end of the book. Yeah, I would like, a, like you know, 75 to 80 minute epilogue of all the characters and like where they go from here and all the things. And it just felt so like, but the last scene, to be fair, with Lanfear and Mo Gideon was very satisfying as an ending. Like, I am happy with this. I am. It's just, I, but I think you're right. It's like, yeah. not only my expectations as a book reader, but my expectations as a Game of Thrones fan. I... Mm. find it fascinating how much that show despite the way that it crashed and burned which was just spectacular I mean it was literally like it was beyond words that show mm-hmm. made such a difference and, and impacted the standards for fantasy for for me and and for a lot of people I think in a big way so I think yeah. I think a lot of my take on this season and on the show as a whole is tainted by both of those things but also it was so fucking good like I want to, I guess those yeah. are my, my overall be- sort of like, I feel irked feelings out of the way. It was really good. Yeah. We have, I guess, like your friend who says it's, it's a bit different. Like if, if Wheel of Time followed the Game of Thrones formula, you'd have all those people being like, oh, it's just trying to be Game of Thrones. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, but then we have this like, oh, it's not throwing, like following the thing. It's not living up to my expectations. So it's kind of, you can't really win, can you? I feel for the producers. I just wish it would take the things that Thrones did really well, like the map in the intro scene, like having yeah. a final episode wrap up epilogue, like throw you in and then like tell you what next season will be about. Where will everyone be? I wish that more fantasy shows would be less scared to take the things that we that that the Game of Thrones did best, right? And and try to replicate yeah. them because there's some things that it did impeccably that all these other shows would benefit from but the wheel of time is so cool and like better than game of thrones and yeah. like in its core yeah. right like in its soul and we got a lot of its yeah. soul this season and it's, it's exciting were you excited to see the intro back yeah yes oh my god i like i didn't realize how much i'd missed it like when i saw the thread like that just that one line it took me like five seconds I'm looking at it and then I'm like oh my god it's the intro and then I like started crying I was like I love it so much I miss you old friend (laughs) it was really good (laughs) and I like the music I know you said you don't really like the music but I I like the music 
I don't think it's catchy enough. It doesn't like I couldn't replicate it for you right now. Oh, I can. It's ah, uh, 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 that's totally spot on. But I've got it playing in my head. See, you're right. It is, but <laughs> I and again, I think I think that it's a Game of Thrones problem for me. I really think it is. Yeah. I think I'm tainted because and the Game of Thrones fans goes do 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 do. Now Game of Thrones goes It's like super intense Anyway My favorite thing about The Wheel of Time season 2 is the Forsaken Yes They were the best part of this episode By magnitudes Like what did you think of the cold open I thought it was I thought it was really interesting Like Luz is a bit of a dick and you kind right. of get that subtext in the books, um, but it's not so overt because you don't actually literally see him do stuff. You just hear about, especially the Forsaken talk about him, and it's kind of expected that the Forsaken don't really like him. Um, and it's like reading between the lines, you're like, I think he might be a little bit of a dick. But in this opening scene, <laughs> he's like, he's a total dick. And I think also because we've hardly seen him. We saw him in a cold open in... Um, season one and now we see him in this cold open Um, but we've met Ishii and we kind of feel for Ishii we like can relate to him a bit more so that was it was kind of devastating just Ashami being like oh and loses a bit of a dick and then they tied him up but I'm interested because it seems like they went around one by one and sealed in the Forsaken or maybe in like small groups I'm interested in what happened to actually seal the dark one away and and the actual like counterstroke the taint on siding because that kind of hasn't really been discussed at all except that there is a taint there but how did it actually happen i think that's a pretty good point because moraine says in the opening of season one episode one she explains to an extent that right that it was tainted by trying to like they poked at the the weirdness that they the found arrogance. in it released the dark. Yeah, the arrogance. And they sort of hint at that, but you're right. They haven't really explained it. And they're really emphasizing the seals being for the Forsaken, which honestly, like that, I'm in favor of. I really enjoyed, like, the imagery of, like, all six of these things and, like, realizing that this is not just, like, some decoration of Teleranriad. Like, literally, they have them here in this bedroom. Yeah. Like, that was... Terrifying. And they're not connected to the main, they're not connected to the main um, boar, which is, I was wrong about because I was like, maybe they are the the seals that seal the dark one, but obviously there's something separate. Um, so I'm, I'm very interested to learn about the dark one. There's been no mention of like Shia or Ghoul or anything like that. So right. yeah, that's coming, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. Cause they haven't really... I mean, I guess maybe the way that they'll approach it in the show is that, like, all the ways that they thought they were dealing with the Dark One, it was a Shamael, right? Which is book accurate. So Mm -hmm. maybe they're going to have some time where they put that together of, like, okay, shit. Like, what we thought when we were dealing with the Dark One, it was them. So what does that mean for the Dark One? And then whatever Mm -hmm. whatever the answer to that is, it'll put them in a place where they have to explain it to us, right? Like, maybe the the characters will realize that there's a gap in knowledge. Yeah, and we might get a Forsaken or two visiting the Dark One and have that kind of revealed that way. Like we had this season that like all the Forsaken, like we had all of that exposition about the seals and everything kind of via 
a Charmaine on the land fear and, and the Forsaken. Yeah. Like I reckon we'll see a little bit more of that like dark one um, set up and how that all works um, through the Forsaken. Yeah, and maybe there will be like one final gigantic seal or maybe – it'll just be information that we don't know yet that just gets like explained. Like there, if there's anything that they have mm. done well, it's exposition. So uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll make sense to us eventually, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I liked that. And yeah. I do like this whole thing with the, the seals and, and the forsaken being out. And then it was like the seeing a Shamayo get locked away and getting to see loose Theron again. And like, I was pretty fucking excited when I saw the Asia mm-hmm. Legends flashback, like even though it was kind of an mm-hmm. anticlimactic, like not actually a lot happened in that flashback. Like it was, it, it was a lot of character stuff for Shamael, which I enjoyed, with him wanting mm-hmm. to break the wheel and that he doesn't want to be resurrected. Like that was interesting, but it wasn't a lot of like world building and that they're friends. Yeah, and that they're friends. Yeah. yeah, but we didn't get the world building that we did in the first one, and that's too bad. The first flashback, mm-hmm. so I wanted more like. I was hoping to see Lanfear. Uh, I really hope we get to see her drilling Mirren and the whatchamacallit. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. In the glass columns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want this for us. Uh, so, yeah. so, so much to look forward to. With a Shamael, I had to rewind so many times just to like track what the fuck his like his thought process was through this it led to him being like so happily murdered without resistance or doing anything that even approximately yeah. cool yeah I, it's really interesting the way they're setting him up and, and we did make a comment i think last week about um how Lanfear gets shit done and issues kind of being dramatic all the time and you can really see that yeah, we did. starts to come into the picture and um and then we have Lanfear coming to Ishi and being like I brought Rand and Ishami was like no I'm not ready yet and then Lanfear straight up says yeah but you'll never be ready there's always going to be one more piece like one more piece to go on the board one more setup thing to do and you'll just procrastinate forever so we're just going to do it now. And at that point, I think Shamiel's like, well, my plans are ruined. I'm going to have to just wait another turning. But, you know, we'll see if we can fuck Lanfear over or, like, do my best here. We'll give it a go, but it's probably not going to work. And then it Yeah, doesn't. it's very half-hearted. Like, he definitely, definitely has kind of given up. And he's like, all right, well, maybe I can, maybe I can gentle Rand. Right. He has that in his back pocket as an option. Mm-hmm. Like potentially he can pull that off. And he executes on releasing the rest of the Forsaken, which you see him like shake the dust from the seals off of his hands yeah. when he's talking to Sarah. I yeah. saw that happen and I was like, that is significant because there's a whole shot close up of his hand as he's dusting. And I was like, ooh, what's he doing? I didn't connect it at the time. And then I just totally forgot about it. And then I had forgotten about it even when I saw the seals broken at the end. It wasn't until later when I was on the discords that someone was like, oh, yeah, you see him dust his hands off. And I was like, oh, yeah. I noticed it when he was doing it, and I had a feeling that's maybe what he was doing because we see the seals, like, really right before that. And, um, yeah, yeah. so I am like, 
I really enjoyed that. And, and so I like how he just yeah. he sort of gives up, but sort of not, like you said. Like, and it's. Yeah. He still has his plans within plans within plans within plans. He had his backup plan where he was going to bring the spare channelers to like shield and then gentle rand. And I think he kind of knew that Landfear knew about that plan because she put more rain where she put more rain to like do that. Um, but then he had his like backup backup plan where he breaks the seals that Landfear didn't actually know about. So like he was like four steps ahead and Landfear was only three steps ahead. Yeah. And he's like, I mean, Landfair, I don't know if she's like the more intelligent of the two in this or if he is where Landfair is just like, I'm going to make this happen. Like she leaves Moraine out in the right place. Like she tells Moraine, like when it's time, raise the banner. Like she fucking gets it. She sees mm-hmm. the prophecy coming, but therefore is like, I don't think that she expects Rand to side with the dark though. Because Landfear, because there's, because my favorite new thing to say, and I don't believe this is from the book. If it is, I'm forgetting it, but that there's many paths to walk in the dark or in the night. Like the, it, that is a sexy yeah, little concept. I don't to remember me. it from the book. No, but I, I love it. It seems to me that Landfear in this season actually is working in Rand's best interests. And I think that all of the Forsaken being released is now going to change um, her ultimate goals. And I think she's going to become a little bit more like nuanced and not so much helping Rand anymore because she's going to have to work with some of the Forsaken. Like there's more at stake now. She has to actually toe the line a little bit more. Yeah, I can see that. And I can also see her being kind of honestly a really interesting take on the way that she is in the books i just never thought of it so much this way as just being kind of on her own side Mm. you know like she's she does a lot to of course appease the dark one like she's not she's she doesn't have any more options there than anybody else does right um and of course she ends up after after she gets sent to finland is like a different thing but um but she's always kind Mm. of like she's never quite fit in with the the other forsaken and she doesn't She's not fighting for the good guys either, but she's, like, not actively thwarting them. Like, she helps Rand a bunch of times. Yeah. Like, and and hurts the other Forsaken in the process. Like, who is it that's attacking Tyr when she sends, she sends help and he's being attacked by one of the Forsaken and then she helps him? Yeah, I think it's Samael. And, yeah, there's, like, a whole bunch of, like, different bands of Trollocs because there's points when yeah. for a couple of our main character point of views where, like, these Trollocs are coming down the corridor and they're like, well, shit. And then like other Trollocs just like take them out and they're like, okay. And like, that's right. That one. And that happens a couple of times. Which is awesome. Like that's so uniquely wheel of time. Like the, the bad guys are awesome. So I enjoyed that a lot. Okay. So Shamael like lets himself die. He's like, fuck this. I'm going to stop the wheel. I don't give a shit. Um, and he do, you're like he tries ish, it doesn't really work. Do you think he's coming back, or do you think he's done? I don't know. I don't know. It was a very interesting way for him to die, um, and I'm just like, I I don't know. I don't know, which I think is exciting in itself. Um, but I do also want to talk about 
um, Ashamayel and Lanfear and Luz, like their relationship, like the way that Lanfear and Ashamayel um, interact with each other in this episode is so intimate. And we kind of got a little bit of a taste of that when um, Lanfear was pretending to be Rand in Ishi's dream a few episodes ago. And it's mm-hmm. like cute. Um, but they like, I reckon it seems to me that setting up that they were like a little polycule, like they were all together and they're so close. They talk to each other intimately and they're not like, it's not threatening, even though they're kind of at odds and they disagree about things. It's not threatening in the way that you would expect that we get at the end with Lanfear and Magedian, the way that Lanfear is so um, like she's afraid of Megedian and Megedian comes up right close. Like they're just as close as a Shamael and Lanfear were in those scenes, but it's more threatening. Um, yeah. I thought that was really interesting, like the way their relationship is. Agreed a billion percent. It's so intimate and it's like, I, I think you're right. I think there might've been a little throuple happening because mm. Yeah, they seem very intimate. And you're right. They were just as physically close as Mogidian was, but it's so different. And the way she they, they sort of like caress each other and like even the way she sits down with him and is like, I told him I would help him kill you. And he's like, are you going to? And she's like, I don't know, maybe like we might have to. Like they're just very like even when they're threatening yeah. to kill one another, they don't seem scared. And especially you're right now that we have – an idea of what that looks like from Lanfear with Mogidian, you're right. Like that relationship's really interesting. And mm. it's like Maureen calls it out directly. Yeah. But also Ishi wanted to die. So she might be talking yeah. about I'm gonna like help him kill you all the way, which is like a favor to him. It's what he wants. Or it could be just he's gonna kill him and then you're gonna come back for another turn. Sorry, bro. Maybe. Sorry, sorry, bro. I it's I also think that they're <laughs> setting up the saw to be the sign that you're immortal because they mentioned this about Lanfear of the Dark One gave her immortality. They say that. Yeah. Did the Dark One give everyone immortality or is it just a Lanfear thing? Yeah, because yeah. you would expect a Shamael to die and his body to stay there and be resurrected, but he turns to dust. So it's like, he's like, uh, like I would suspect maybe he's not coming back in that body. Which is frustrating because I really like the actor and I don't like him. Yeah, he had charisma with everyone. He was like, he's not my type at all. But I'm like, he's hot. I didn't like the body swap in the books. It's a pain in my ass. There were, yeah, there were already fucking thirteen of them. How many more names Mm -hmm. and faces do we seriously need to add to this group? Like, it was ridiculous. Like, I didn't. It was uncalled for. So. I don't need it in the show either, especially when we have an actor that is so great. I hope that they don't do that. Like when Lanfear was resurrected, I was stoked. The issue is that if they're going to do the body swap at the end, they have to set that up. There has to be souls in different bodies earlier. Right. So it's it's a case of if they're going to do that. What? It's there. Yeah. Who knows? Um. Also, it could be that Faris Faris might not be available. Like they could have booked him for two seasons only, and maybe he's off to do other stuff. Like it could just be a practical thing as well. Like there's so much at play. Oh man, 
broadcasting out to the end of that last battle is tough business as we've determined <laughs> over the course of these dark press socials. Yeah. It's like shit. You know, because the other way to do that might be to have it be that he gets a brand new body and that that's so incredibly special and it's what makes it special. Like there's all kinds of ways to sidestep that and still get him out of his body but alive. Yeah. But the swap yeah, is really kind of... He gets a new body. God, that was wild. All right. So who knows about all of that but the the i know i keep taking us back to ishamael here but just things that were along the trail of his plan right that branch into other storylines are the dagger right part of his plan is to say mm-hmm. his like last ditch effort plan is like well if we can make the dragon's friends turn to the dark like if the he's he says to sir Arthur, or to, no so he says to Patton fane that if the options are Rand turns to the dark or his friends do, like if he can save them by himself doing it, that he would. And the next thing we see is Patton mm-hmm. Fane. And he says, oh, I know the thing that's going to kill him. And he like looks at the knife and then it's Patton Fane taking the dagger to Matt. I think he's talking about Matt. Because the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, he knows who kills Rand at the end, like thinking about the end. But they're, they're talking about Matt. Like Patton Fane knows matt is being held and that padden is going in to see matt and he's getting his orders for matt and so he asks do you want me to kill him as in kill matt yeah um and then and so Ishi's saying um i know who kills him and how they do it or what they do it with which is interesting i wonder if it's like that prophecy death you know how he did he dies a bunch of times yeah, but I think I actually think it's not like I think we're giving Ishmael too much credit in that. I think he's thinking that his current plan as it stands in that moment walking through the hallway is that Matt will kill Rand at Tom and Head and like this will be yeah. it. Like will it or like either he mm-hmm. will sign on to the dark one because his friends otherwise will be turned or whatever or captured or fucking whatever. Like a threat to to save his friends. Yeah that he could be turned or that that Matt's going to kill him. And he seems to propose both. And I just found it like a little bit confusing, like what Ishmael's plan was with, with regards to everybody. And it was like a little bit all yeah. over the place, to be honest. Might be intentionally ambiguous as well of like, who's talking about what and they're setting stuff up. Um, an interesting thing about that, that whole um, dagger stab thing with the illusion is that Ishi says something like, a simple illusion, how come you didn't see it? And I'm like, oh, man, that's that's going to be important later. I don't know how yeah. that's going to be important. I mean, just the fact that you can do that hasn't been set up before. They did all kinds of stuff this episode that we didn't know that you could do. Like, they traveled in this episode multiple times. Yeah. Like, on screen and didn't call attention to it and just did it like it was no big deal. So, like, yeah, the I illusion did, thing was though. really cool. She's like, there's other ways. Yeah. Oh, no, totally. Well, Lanfear was the one doing it. I mean, nobody else commented on it. Nobody said, like, mm. oh, my God, how did you just, like, snap and, you know, they didn't they didn't call yeah. attention to it. It just <laughs> yeah. happened. And I was like, excellent. Fast travel's my favorite mm-hmm. part of the Wheel of Time. But, yeah, his his plan was a little bit, a little bit confusing to me. And it was one of the elements of the episode where I can't tell if it's, like, we'll get more information later that makes it evident like, oh, it's smart. It's ambiguous. It's, it was this, or it meant that, or if it really is just kind of like not great execution, like it, it really might just be 
not really very good writing where it sort of doesn't totally make sense what he's getting at here. Like, what is his plan? Why does, is he, is he trying? Is he not trying? Is it, is it smart or is it lazy? I kind of can't tell, which is not a great sign. I think that's Lanfear's issue with it though. Like he makes these elaborate plans that because they're so elaborate, so many things can go wrong and they kind of get a little bit tangled up. Um, And so she's like, let's stop this. Because if the longer you're left to plan the last battle and to like put like move your pawns around, the the more and more elaborate this plan is going to get, and we're just going to fail because of how elaborate it is. Like you're just procrastinating making this fun plan rather than actually just getting it done. I actually really like that interpretation. Like that that works for me. That makes me feel good about it. Because I'm like. <laughs> This is ridiculous. Like, what are you even? I honestly, the number of times that I rewound that scene because I was just like, what? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? So maybe that is the point. Maybe that is the point. I can get down with that. I can can be on board with that one. Um, Lanfear. I'm trying to think what else we haven't seen about her. Just that she's, I'm obsessed with her. She's the best. Um, She travels out of the ways. Uh... What else? Oh, her her stuff with Bail Domon was cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was actually wondering while while that would happen, I'm like, I wonder if she um um compelled him. But then it seems like he's just quite taken with this Kyrian lady and he's doing the like gentlemanly thing. Um but I wonder if she compelled him to go and sell the bit of Quendia to Moraine. Maybe just to fuck with her. Answer. Yeah, like, like it, she seems to be setting up plans as well. I mean, I'm here for it. Like, I liked that they closed the loop on how he got it to begin with. So yeah, like it probably is just a fuck with Moraine, and uh, yeah, I like it. And also, did you notice like uh, sink them in the bottom of the ocean? It reminded me a lot of the mission that they sad give to him bracelets. for the sad bracelets. Yeah. Like I'm like, so is this just like the friendly mm-hmm. nod to the sad bracelets that might not make it into the show? I don't know. Who knows? Um, I think having him there is a little bit of a nod to book readers of like, there's this dude waiting and then he's never going to actually end up taking anyone anywhere. Um, but it is good to have him there. Cause uh, like I, we're going to see him again. I think in more seasons he's going to be oh, one for of sure. regulars that pops up I don't I think he's just an easter egg I think he's going to do stuff I think that Agianen will be in the show um, but and I love him like looting like he's there looting because <laughs> he is a smuggler <laughs> he's got like questionable morals and he's there looting and then this lady comes and he's like oh no what are you doing away from Kyrian like he's this like really nice guy yeah, but he's not like a rogue like Matt is. It's this different kind of character. Yeah, I love him. I I love him too. He's great. And I like seeing him back and I like seeing Lanfear like think that she has this like really smart plan where she's been like, I've been planning this for six months and I am the one who got Maureen yeah. the the first Quendiar and like gets absolutely wrecked by Ishamael just being like you know what YOLO like Like, Ishamael's like we've already lost you're right like he's just like throwing shit at the wall like he's like whatever yeah 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 I'm I'm gonna die but I'm gonna fuck you over when I do it 
I love it. I thought that was great. And then mm. do we have anything else on those two before we go into the best Forsaken of the episode? Yeah, I don't think so. I'm looking at my paper notes. Mm. Uh, that Shamael got stabbed in the heart with the heron blade, which kind of seemed significant in like the way he turned to dust. Uh, and I think I've just got a lot of kind of questions and I don't know what exactly happened and what's what implications it has for the future, which I think is the point as well. I agree. I wonder if his death won't be the impetus for us learning that the saw means that the Dark One's given you this and maybe we'll actually see him die and go talk to the Dark One and like get approval for uh, being able to be immortal like that or unkillable like like Lanfear mm. is. And maybe we'll actually get the mechanics on no, how that maybe. works and he'll be given the saw and maybe that's how we get introduced to the true power or something. I don't know, you know. Because I, I would love to see him back. So I, I feel like we mm. will get more information on why he just was like like why he disintegrated into dust and just sort of said fuck it. Like I just that yeah. didn't track entirely for me. Yeah. With you. I think but. everything else I have about Ishii kind of touches on the um the Emmons Field five and their kind of confrontation at the end. So we can kind of leave that. Yeah, we'll later. talk about that when we talk about Rand, because that's like mostly his scene. So Yeah. Um, so yeah. let's talk about softly softly from the shadows how sick was the mogedian i love mogedian i love it because like i just listened to your episode six and seven um episode with scott and you're like yeah mogedian nah she's like the worst of the forsaken and now you're like mogedian's the best (laughs) because she is in the books it's like i get that they they pose her as being scary i get that nynaeve is scared of her I get that it's supposed to be a really big deal when Nynaeve bests her in Tenshiko. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Mm. Mogadian fucking she is, is the, the weakest worst. of the Forsaken, though. Yeah. She's the worst. Mm. She's fucking useless. But this I like was her. so cool. The spider and, like, yeah. her whole approach, like, her whole thing about being, like, oh, yeah, you thought I was so weak. Softly, softly from the shadows. And, like, oh, and she so thinks creepy. too much and she's too crafty. And she's, well, fuck you. You were two good friends with Luz Theron and I'm here to take over this whole situation. And I'm, like, oh, my God. And when she says, this is when Scott texted and we were, like, the most erotic moment of my life. When he was, he texts me and he's, like, <laughs> dude when she says where are the others and she just says out there like scott like lost his mind (laughs) and i'm so excited that they're all out like i liked your theory that they would be like at the a would be like breaking them all out would be something rand would have to do like he does with the seals for the dark one in the book but i'm glad Mm -hmm. that they're all just out there and now we don't know where any of them are and they can like slowly out of the way like yeah, that's a great mechanic yep. that they're they're hidden out there and mm. they're going to pop up. That's fantastic. And and we can play Where's Demondred for the next like six seasons of television <laughs> and see when people figure out where he is. Yeah. Um, I was concerned at because Magedian like traps Lamphia in this like spiderweb funnel thing. Um, because yeah. she like cuts like Lamphia goes to like do a power. And McGinney's like, bam. And then Lanfia's got like a cut on her palm. And I was like, oh shit, holy shit, is this like the Corsuvra? Because I don't want that to happen. Like I thought Magedian might have like tra- trapped her in a mind trap. 
No, I don't like, like those. It. No, I don't like them either. They're just like depower the women. Um, but that was like that little cut on her palm was like seemed significant for a reason and then it kind of didn't go anywhere and I don't know if it was just that Morgedian had lashed out and gotten her and it was just a representation of like ow she got me but yeah I that was so I think it was just showing that like the mm-hmm. the web could cut you or that there like oh yeah I don't yeah I think it probably doesn't mean anything but I'm glad it's not a course yeah. because I'm hoping they cut that yeah that out that's a little much entirely yeah yeah. yeah, I was like, and it's and it's you know, and I, was like, I, would, oh, no, I think I it's okay. I think it's okay. I wouldn't mind if they got rid of the Corsuvra and the Dream Shard, just because I think I find them both to be overcomplicated mm. as mechanics. Yeah, they don't make sense. Mm. It was a entirely. lot. The Corsuvra more so than the Dream Shard. In the books. Yeah, yeah and they just sort of books, and then like uh, RJ got new toys and started playing with them instead. It's like all the, like the whole like you can follow someone. You can track someone if you've healed them in the past and more rain with her staff, <laughs> doing magic stuff. Like it all kind of gets dropped, um, yeah. which is fine. Like as he kind of explored the world a bit, which is because it's a complete series, it means that the showrunner has a chance to like make it a little bit more coherent and pick and choose which mechanics and make them more um, like together, like have it all fit yeah. together a little bit better, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and they're doing a good job of it with um, the, and I guess this helps move us, keep moving us forward into kind of the next thing. I think they do a really good job of it with the Shan Shen and I can see your weaves, like what makes you able to channel, like what, like those mm-hmm. constructs are being set up really concretely, which I like. Like they, yeah. they're doing a good job of focusing on the important ones. Um should we move I into talking if about it? Um, just one last thing with Magedian. I, I mm. um, wonder if she used the true power to gateway away because it was very black and poofy. Like It was. It was black and poofy. And it was difficult to tell because when Lanfear travels them out of the ways, they which disappear. can you do that? Does anyone who can travel ever bother so. going into the ways, right? That would be the... No. Like, yeah, like, we don't know because no one who does the option to do, like, why would you... Why are we in the ways, Landfair? Like, full stop. Like, why does Landfair... Well, I guess because she was following Maureen's you can You can out. gateway into the world of dreams and the ways are kind of like another parallel world or, like, something related to the yeah. world of dreams and the portal world so like it makes sense that you would be able to it's just that you wouldn't bother going in the ways if you can travel yeah um, and so I think that is intentionally vague we haven't seen what it looks like until Magedian. like maybe uh, that might be what it looks like or it might look a little bit different because I think it's described in the book as like a beam of light that like turns around and turns into like a literal like I always imagine like a, a rectangle hole that's like, well, remember, like, there's like, two ways to do it, right? So the good guys, when you're channeling with the one power, it is a, you, like you say, opens like a rectangle. It can cut you. Like, it is a doorway, mm. and you can change the size of it. But when when the Forsaken do it... Guys rip a hole. Yeah, they just rip through, and that. so it, it I think... With it the true power specifically. 
Yeah, exactly. So it could be that she's using the true power or it could be that they'll make it just that's what it looks like or maybe that's I don't know. I I cuz I'm thinking that they're not going to have the true power cuz I think the saw is going to represent your immortality. I think the ones who can come back yeah. will have that. I think we'll see Ishi come back with it. But then the true like, power think- is a mechanic for the end. It's also another pain in the ass mechanic. Like, we kind of don't... Yeah. Do do we need it? Do we really, really need it? Or does it overcomplicate things? I'm not sure that we need it. I don't know. I think that they could easily just say... Like, they could say there's two different kinds of gateways and say that there's, like, a good gateway and a bad gateway and this is how the bad guys do it Mm -hmm. and we don't use that kind of magic. Like, that's way easier than the concept of the true power, which honestly is, like, kind of... Yeah. I don't think we need it. It's a little much. The names are what's are confusing. The true power and yeah. the one true, like the, the true source, and the one power comes from the true source. But then there's the true power, like that, or got me when I was reading through the first time. It was like the names are a little bit too close. It's um, all over the but place. But we'll see what it's they do. Necessary. And I think, uh, I think, because Rand learns to gateway pretty early. I think it's like end of book four. Um, when he's chasing Asmodian. So maybe that might be a next season thing we start seeing our heroes start to gateway around. I am ready for that. So far, we haven't been yeah. hampered by travel time, except for in season one. Like, they did a good job using the ways this season. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think we'll probably start to gateway next season. I think that Moraine will probably circle with rand there'll be because they get like rand has been through some form of gateway which was sick the way they got rid of got mm. away from machin chin by doing it was significant like he mentioned like you yeah. traveled in the ways machin chin will get us and it does and she like you said calls out that she's doing that and then travels so i think there'll be some exposition around what happened there i think rand will notice it and realize that that's a yeah. thing that he can likely do so They'll figure it out. He'll probably yeah, just yeah, ask Leia Fear. She's like... probably going to be his bestie all next season. Yeah. It is one of those things of it has been shown to the, the right people and so they start work, trying to work it out. Um, like back with um, the tying off the weaves as well. Like there'll be things I think that are like the concept is introduced to our main characters and then they work it out from there or are shown or something. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited. So an hour into our discussion on the Forsaken, um, let's segue to Moraine and Leanne. So we talked we talked about where they get tossed out of Moraine and Leanne um, when Mar- when Lanfear throws them out of the ways. And so cool, so cool. The the waygate in the water. All the waygates have been in fucking cool places. The one in Falm was in such yeah. a cool spot, like all like in the jungle. And this the water waygate was sick. Yeah. And I love the way that Lanfear like set that up. Like she gets Moraine in front of her and then she like steps forward because she knows Lan's gonna come and like protect her. And then she's like, You are exactly where I want you. Whoosh. Yep. Out you go. You. But also raise yeah. the banner. Like and which is helping yeah. them to an extent, I guess. I don't know. I get we'll talk about the banner when we get to Rand. But um and yeah. Lan, like, when Moraine sees the weaves, she's like, oh, I think they're shielding Ran. And Lan is concerned because he's like, what if Lanfear put us here for that? And I'm like, Lanfear did put you there to do exactly that. It's just that she's working on Ran's side and you're not, yes. you're not aware of whose side she's on. 
Yes. So that ambiguity, I think, is really like like setting that up and like that the character's like. <laughs> and I like how Maureen says for the 10,000th time, like, I don't care how many innocent people die if it ha- makes any chance that we can win the last battle. Like, fuck you. And Lan is like, okay, that's legit. Like, fair enough. Yeah, and then these random Sean Chan appear to put Maureen in danger so she can do death weaves. Yes. Which is very cool. Mm-hmm. And Lan got to fight and like catch arrows yeah. in the middle of the air, even though yeah, catching like, arrows, totally, yeah. Like, just random cool people though, you're right. Like, where do they even oh, show that's up one from? Of those like, moments where it's like, this is here exactly because they need to do these things. So they're like, We're putting this here so that technically she's in danger. We're just gonna do it because of the plot. Um, and that I think is that um, that feeling we got when we're watching it, where we're like, uh, but I still like it. It's still really cool. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But it could have been better. It could have been tighter. Could have made more sense. Like, yeah. but yeah. But then but, we're here for her, it. Like, Yolo, it's good. Yeah, it's fine. And like, and her weave was really cool. Um, the fa- it it surprised me and then it surprised me that it had surprised me that she was exploding the ships and not somehow like stopping the weaves like you know how in the books they can like yeah axe through a weave. Cut the weave yeah i thought she would just mm. cut the weave but but i also understand that like they can just start doing it again and that will like fuck up rand even harder like if he's in the middle of something and then get shielded so it's like you might as well murder them all and mm. also like fuck the shanshan so that's kind of awesome and but it did surprise me somewhat yeah and then also like it looked like Suroth and her voice were like an Al is it Alwyn they yeah, were it's like Alwyn. it's like they could see it coming they're like looking there's like a shot at the weaves going like racing along under the water and then there's like Suroth looking concerned and then the weaves and then Alwyn and then the weaves and it's like this is so dramatic, like it's coming and then can they see it though or they can see like the water moving? It was really it it's was unclear. Was a weird moment. <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> is she dead, Suroth? She Suroth must be dead. Unless she survives somehow. I suppose. I mean, I Jamie Lannister survived crazier, so maybe so. I that's it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> But it was very cool. I um, I did like the twist of her knowing that she needs to do the banner and that that's like that she's part of this prophecy. Moraine like, drama dread. <laughs> you know what? I so my main thought about that though when it happened was like it looked so bad. I thought I've been saying in our episodes, like they're saving the CG budget because everything looks good, but it's been, they haven't had to do much and they're saving it. And I was like, the dragon looks like dog shit. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, come on. I I thought it was cute. I thought it looked bad. I thought it looked fake. I thought the rest of the weaves (laughs) in this season have looked so good. Like, like the weaves, when they showed, Mm -hmm. um, Maureen and Land's bond getting redone, which I guess is important that we should talk about. That was so lovely. Yeah, and the CG looks good. A lot of the, or like the, mm-hmm. okay, the fine, I guess this is, it's like weird commentary. The fine, intricate CG work this season is fucking 10 out of 10. When Landfear channels the little snaps, like the fine lines of the mm-hmm. weaves look incredible. 
the thicker, more dramatic effects like Rand's weaves or the dragon look like shit. And I cannot account for yeah. it. Yeah, but then it's because he's a bit shit, like his weaves. But there has been, like, talking about the budget and saving the budget for the end, there has actually been a lot of incidental CGI throughout the series. Um, yeah. Like, I think they have spread out the budget rather than saving it for one big bang at the end. Like, there's there was a lot going on um, that you don't, that you're not a- aware of, but that's kind of a good thing because it's, like, just yeah. part of the world. Backgrounds um, and shiny things and... Yeah. Um, yeah. I do like the contrast of, like, Rand's untrained weave weaves um, versus the, like, really fine control, though. I think that's an intentional choice rather than a, it looks a bit shit because it's big. Yeah, I think so, too. I just think it doesn't, it just doesn't look very good. Like, it, the dragon looked really fake mm-hmm. to me. I had a hard time with the dragon. But conceptually... It was part of the, this is so dramatic and kind of unnecessary, And but they're just being dramatic. Like, it was part of that, like, I think I accepted it because it was just, like, Moraine going, oh, I need to fulfill the prophecy by doing this thing. Yeah. Like, like the mood of it kind of fit what it looked like as well, I think. Yeah. I mean, I was overall here for it. I just thought the CG was like pretty yeah. bad. But yeah. like yeah. But overall, I approve a lot. I approve that this was the dragon banner because of course the 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 dragon like the animal the dragon is like not something that the people of the Wheel of Time are familiar with. It's but it is on the banner. Yeah. But they don't like it's not like mm-hmm. a common thing to know what a dragon is. Like the dragon in the Wheel of Time just means dragon reborn. There is no like scaly monster. Mm-hmm. So But that's you know fun. more Rain would know what it is because she's doing a lot of she's done a lot of research and stuff into it. She would well, have come and even across, like, like they haven't introduced that to the show, so it doesn't necessarily have to be true and it doesn't really matter. And mm-hmm. This yeah. is just a cool interpretation and adaptation of what the banner would look like or how this, how that mechanic works and, like, bringing it into the show. Like, that was pretty sick. Like, even if the CG was kind of garbage, yeah. that was cool. And then Avienda sees it and says the car card, and I'm like, oh, why didn't yeah. you get to meet Rand in this episode? You're so, so close and yet so far. <laughs> but it yeah. sets her on the path, so that was really cool. Yeah. Mm. Um, Maureen and Lan with their like bond moment was just beautiful. I loved how intimate it was. Yeah. Like we've got all this intimacy and like that their relationship, but it's like not at all sexual. And then you have this beautiful when there's this beautiful music and then there's the weaves surrounding them and it all happens and they're like coming closer and closer together. And then Lan like grimaces, which I think was a really kind of clever thing because he's obviously started to feel the bond again and it's not all magic and rainbows like there is real in there that's a bit hard for him to like deal with as well um I just really like that little touch yeah I thought it was really well done it was like earned it took all season literally to get there which is like what makes me feel like things are it's like oh my god we have so much story to get through yeah like (laughs) then you can fight properly again which is good yeah 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 um but yeah it was it was beautiful it was a good moment it looked good the like the scene was cool seeing Moraine like getting to have like just a few scenes of her 
feeling lighter, like she says, you know, now that she's got mm-hmm. the power back and stuff like that was really good. And mm-hmm. and seeing her like be super powerful and get something done that made like that was productive and like help fulfill the prophecies and like reassure her that she's not a total failure was nice because like otherwise Maureen's been fucking up yeah. left, right, and center. So it was good for her to see her get back on yeah. track. She's finally getting her shit back together, which is good. Yeah, and with crew. and with Lan, and now they can be a unit, and then that's nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but no yeah. Lan and Nynaeve together all season, mm. except for yeah. her, except her for the like hallucination bit thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, should we move into talking about like Nynaeve and Elaine? Nynaeve. Yes. Nynaeve fucks around zero like holy shit she's so scary so scary and Elaine I really 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 like how they're doing Elaine she's so like disturbed mm. by Nynaeve's Perfect. behavior but she doesn't do anything to stop it she's like this is fucked up and I accept that this is what we need to be doing right now yeah and that's a character moment that she has in book four when she puts so Moraine is trying to get Rand to attack Ilian to fulfill the prophecies about Spears following him. Um, and Moraine like starts talking about it, and Egwene and Nynaeve are like, No, we can't go to war, war is bad, like that knee jerk reaction. And Elaine is like, Because of her upbringing, she's like, No, it actually does make sense. Um, and this, this death now will prevent death later, that whole like kind of trolley problem thing. Um, and she's like on board with it and you can kind of see that with the the way she's like yes this is a necessary evil yeah and she's so at peace with it like she's so I can't wait to see her character get to do more like that actress is fucking brilliant and what Mm -hmm. they're doing with this character is genius and I just I love it I can't wait to see her in Camelin and like really come into her own because she just is like she's a bad bitch like she has a lot to give yeah. i cannot wait to get to see her to like contribute more and like solve problems and like get to show off and like get in the into the shit because elaine is awesome like i the the show is elevating characters who i liked in the books but i love in the show and that's awesome yeah seeing them do that yeah yeah like, what a bad bitch. But yeah, Nynaeve, absolutely not fucking around. Totally terrifying. And her block stuff is really interesting. I love that it hasn't been resolved. I yeah. like that they're dragging this out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, she had needs to come to terms with... Because I think it, when she was in the tower, she's just like, fuck you, I can't do it your way. Like, fuck you, I don't need it. It's fine. And now since Egwene got captured and she couldn't help and now she still can't help and, like, she does... But like she's still level-headed, she knows she has to bring Elaine because Elaine can channel, and Egwene's gonna need that help, and she can't provide that. So she's still able to like work through it, but she is seeing how much the power would help her, and how much she needs it. And yeah, yeah. I think you know, it takes her journey ongoing. I think is will be a lot more nuanced and she'll have to actively work at learning and trying to break the block. Yeah. And not necessarily doing it in the tower, which I think will help her like have her own Mm buy-in for herself, you know, to be outside of the tower doing it. Mm -hmm. And like, 
but to, she's going to need to come to a place where she actually wants to be Aes Sedai, right? And, yeah. and really start to understand what she is now, like how little it's serving her to actively resist learning. Like she needs yeah. to learn this, even if she doesn't want to learn it their way. And, and we know that she'll have the opportunity to, to mostly figure this out outside of the tower, but she does have to yeah. want to be Aes Sedai. Yeah, early on in the books, she um, sees what the yellows can do in, with healing and she herself does some healing when she's angry and and that's her justification. She's like, I need to learn this healing thing. I need to be Aes Sedai. It's no longer about rescuing the kids because they don't need rescuing anymore. Um, I'm right. going to learn what the yellows can teach me. But here in the show, she's like got real world examples of when she could have used healing, when she could have used the power and she wasn't able to um, and feeling quite useless. And I do, I just love the way, you know, she's like got her hands up and she's like trying to like yeah, do the like power. Force it. And it just made me think of like that's what it looks like when all the actors are acting. Like that's what it looks like <laughs> before all the CG and everything's added on. Like just there and like mm, and you can see she kind of feels a little bit stupid and like like Rosamund Pike moving around her arms, like if you didn't see the power, it would look a little bit stupid as well. Yeah. <laughs> or you don't see the effect of the powers. And I'm like, I just really liked that, that she's like, this looks a little bit dumb. <laughs> yeah. It does. No, it does. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just... Oh, I hope we still get, I hope we get the, her breaking her block. I hope it's just like in the books. Cause that bit was awesome. Like, yeah. but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, they're not leaning into her being able to channel when she's angry. Yeah. Or it's, it's just there or it's not. She hasn't figured out how to make it there. Um, and also it's not just there in her like times of desperate need, which is a bit of a trope that you see of like that she just gets herself out of stuff because there is no other way and then it just happens um so I like that she it just it has still doesn't happen and she has to find another way um which I think is kind of what's going to be her journey of how to learn to channel she's going to have to just find another way to access it and I suspect the way the show's going she's going to figure it out for herself and she's going to have that moment because um, the way it happens in the book, she does kind of figure it out for herself because she gets attacked by the Gideon and she surrenders and she gets herself out of the water. But Lan is also kind of there to rescue her. So it is yeah. kind of, and it is that like romantic moment. But I think they might lean a little more into her. It's going to be more of a journey rather than a thing just that just happens all at once. Because she's not even really, she has lessons. Like, you know, in the books, they set it up as like, everybody has their thing that breaks them out of their own bullshit basically enough to be able to do it to surrender yeah Yeah. and everyone's doing it to her in the book and she is just like whatever whatever and by by that time she's Aes Sedai she's been raised by Egwene and she doesn't actively work at breaking the block she just kind of laments that she's got the block yeah and just works around it and when she has her lessons I think it's Theodrin or something I don't know might be a different name but she when she has her lessons with Saladar and she hates them and she tries to avoid it but then she does stay up all night and stuff like she's gonna do she's gonna like do her best at least engage in them but she doesn't 
actively seek to break the block herself and find her own way, which I think she will do in the show, which I'm excited. I agree. I, I think it'll be something that she figures out more than like, like they're just not setting up any of the mechanics around how to break it, like that it would be one big sudden thing. So I think, I think she's going to have a season three arc where she decides that she wants to know how to do it based on these outcomes. Cause like the fact that she couldn't heal Rand, mm-hmm. I think she's going to take two looks at that fucking nasty ass wound, which looked appropriately nasty yeah. and be like, be feel like she could have done better and work to try and fix it. Yeah. I think she's going to have like really personal reasons to like try to learn. And I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if she breaks out of the block, like during season, like end of season three or into the start of season four. Like I, I think she has a lot of motivation mm-hmm. to make this something she's actively working towards at this point. Um, and yeah. I, I do want to give her yeah, props for knowing. It might take a little longer. Oh, I don't want it. I want it all to just happen now. I don't want it to take longer. (laughs) No, but I think she'll find a workaround, like the anger thing. Like I think there'll be some sort of finding a different way a workaround, and she'll have to like as she's working towards it, it will be like levels that she goes through. So she'll be working around it. She'll still be able to access the power in a different way, Um, and then later she'll just like fully break it. Yeah, that could work too. But at least I think she'll be working toward it in the next couple of seasons to be where it's, yeah. it won't be such a problem. Yeah. She'll be able to do some cool stuff because she barely channeled all season long. She's got to have her showdown with Maggetti and that's the most important thing. I really want to see that. Oh, that will definitely happen and it'll be fucking sick. But I wouldn't be surprised if it that takes into season four. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but I appreciate that she was able to admit that she was useless and that she needed Elaine. That was nice. That, like, in the midst of all this, like, she didn't, it didn't, like, beat her down to the point that she didn't still try. Like, and and she yeah. wasn't so proud that she couldn't say, like, just put her, put the nail in the head and be like, okay, I fucking can't figure it out. I'm going to push this arrow out of you. And then you have to pull your shit together because you're the only one who's worth anything right now. And she was like, able to keep pushing through despite having to really humble herself and admit to some shit in order to do that was like pretty big of her yeah yeah and she looks so vulnerable that's the other thing about that like she's trying to channel she's got that vulnerability as well of like exposing that she can't do it as well um which was really kind of nuanced like amazing performance yeah um all right, let's talk about Egwene. On to the next. It's tough. I love Egwene. It was, she was perfect, great. Perfect, though. Um, I do want to talk about the um the the different mechanics with the collar. So yeah. it seems that where you you like literally are linked to your suldam. So whoever collars you is your suldam. Um. Mm. I suppose they can pass the bracer on, but if one or the other dies, the other half of the eight arm breaks. Um, And that's kind of like the only way out almost. But then Renna does release Egwene. So there is a way to release the collar through the bracer. It's good they gave us that. Yeah. Even though I can't even think when it's going to come up again because so few of the Damani are freed. Mm-hmm. Right. For after after Egwene. 
Yeah, it makes sense that it's like a, once you're collared, you're collared, that's it. You can't get out of it. Because why would they make a Tarangriot like they're leashing these women? Why would they make it so you can take them off? Because you're never going to take it off. Like, yeah, because the minute you take it off, every like it's yeah, why would you ever take it off? It's not like you swap it for cleaning. Like it's it but yeah. But you can take it off in the book. So I guess it it's good that the ability to take it off exists. You're right. Like the fact that that's possible, yeah, is a good thing to have in their pockets it's to establish now. Yeah. And it yeah. has to be the Suldam who does it. It can't be some other person. Like the Suldam has to make that conscious decision to release yeah, or you have to die. Um, it was interesting having them be like each other's soldoms was like the, as a change and a change from books, but like an, a really interesting one where mm. I was like, wait, you can't do that. Wait, hang on. What the fuck? Like that tripped me up. Yeah, um, that was uh, it's just done so well. And Rena dying, like everyone, everyone's dead. But we've got all these like, oh, maybe we're going to see Megan and she's going to be like buying into the slavery slavery stuff. Um, and and then the implication of the Suldam who were collared and then are uncollared. Um, all, everyone's dead, so Sita dies. And that shows us how the collar works, first of all. It sets that up. And then Rana dies as well. And it's so brutal because like I'm there and I'm watching Egwene and she's just like, she's struggling and she's like I'm willing to die to kill you like she's willing to take that pain through oh yeah totally the bracer through the adam and then and Rena's like please please and like part of me is like oh I like Rena like don't kill her but then part of me is like yes Egwene she kill her like make her definitely kill her like I'm yeah, surprised it was, yeah, so. that they went there because th- what they do in the books mm-hmm. is so much more the trope, which is like, no great hero of our story. Yep. You can't commit cold-blooded murder. We'll stop you from yeah. doing that horrible thing, even though we totally know you want but, to and we'll yeah. like let you You'll want to. You'll be just to. as bad as the bad guys. We're better yeah. than that. But yeah. it's much more kind of real, I guess, and more gray. And it goes back yeah. to that very start of the season, who is good and who is evil what yeah. is good and evil yeah That's how you see it um yeah Rana I'm gonna miss her I know me too uh, but, not but this her. was good the <laughs> fa- and the fact that she did it entirely by herself like as much as everybody was trying to help her she figured it out mm. like and everybody was trying mm. to help like uh, like sure yeah. uh you know loyal had had let Perrin know at that point like everybody was trying to lend a hand they were, they were on all trying way. to get to her. She did it herself. Yeah, but she held it down, which was really cool. I'm still confused by, um, like, the torture mechanic of the Adam because I can't decide if if Rena is like, you know, we had said last week, like, she's like out of line by physically threatening Elaine out, Egwene outside of the collar, but that now she's saying, oh, this is like the first punishment for. Like on yeah. the battlefield, we'll cut your tongue out, or we'll and and then we see Nynaeve, you know, using the the Adam to punish, and it's like I was really off put by how much like physical threats we were getting from Rena instead of using the Adam. Like I didn't, I'm like, why? Yeah, and it seems it seems the mechanics are a little bit different because in the books, the Suldam kind of channel using the Damane's power 
and right. the Dunani don't have any say about like they use the power and like Egwene even says like she's using my power to do these things and she's not kind of involved she's just like a conduit whereas the mechanics of the show it seems to be like you've trained your Demane and the Demane is channeling and they can disobey like Egwene stops channeling and Rena can't force her to do it so she has to resort to like punishment to make her do it um yeah is it quite a big difference yeah it was a big change it was a big change and I I don't know it was it was I mean it was good to be able to see Egwene like fight back but it was like it was a bit odd it and it has implications of um so when so every time Egwene channels she she does it on her own which means that she was obeying orders so that it feeds into like later when she has to deal with that it would be a lot easier to deal with it when it's well, I wasn't an active participant. They just forced me to do it, like literally were channeling through me using my power and there wasn't anything I could do because I was stuck in this Terangriel. Whereas now it's I chose to obey the order. Like I did actually kill some white cloaks with a fireball. I did like buy into it a little bit. Um, So I think that might be where the show might be going, that kind of that moral ambiguity again. Yeah, and she did look, like, fairly stoked about, like, when she looks down and she sees, like, the Shanshan fighting the White Cloaks. Like, she was, like, not trying to blow up everybody. And then she saw the White Cloaks and just was, like, fuck this, like. And killed the witches. Yeah. All of them. Like, it killed everybody and, like, looked. Yeah like happy about it the way she was just like heaving it like was that was that like grunting it was very like an animal like a um dehumanized animal like we saw that for her like let it, her letting her rage get the better of her which yeah. as maybe will come into later when it's only because i'm reading through crosswords of twilight where um she is armalin and she hasn't taken the oaths and she's trying to live by the oaths so yeah. yeah her buying into taking the oaths and the oaths being a representation of what it means to be Aes Sedai I think that it starts her journey on along that path yeah oh it was good it was very good mm. um yeah the whole I think that might be the best arc of the season is Egwene being collared and freeing herself like it's just like agreed like there should be awards for that yeah like yeah she looked she was doing a good job madeline madden was or madeline madeline or madeline i don't know Hmm. um she was doing a really 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 good job i was definitely impressed Mm -hmm. by her and rena Uh, um rena as well like their relationship and just how it all worked like those scenes with the two of them are just like well like the best Yeah, they were awesome, and and her like I replaced all the scenes of... with Nynaeve and Leandrin. Yeah, early in the seasons, Nynaeve and Leandrin, then later in the season, it's Egwene and Renna. Yeah, yeah, and like she had some some good reactions with Rand too when he shows up, and like she sort of mm. like when he's like, "Let's get out of here," she like shakes her head at first, and then she nods. She did a really really good job. Um, but she, I will say she wasn't as good as Bella Ramsey 
in in those same sort of moments uh in the last of us bella ramsey was out there like changing lives yeah Yeah, this was good but it wasn't it wasn't bella ramsey but it was good at the very very end when they're looking when everyone's cheering and then one by one you get a shot of all the like main crew looking over at the town and they all look kind of like excited and this is over and we've done it yeah and then there's Egwene who's just like fuck everything (laughs) yeah yeah her shield though the fact that she was able to do that against the Shamael was pretty awesome like it really did a good job of showing how much she's grown and she said that at like went to Nynaeve that she's here in the tower she wants to be best girl and she wants to be best girl because if she could channel she could have gone to the Iowa with Rand and saved him yeah and then she gets to save him yeah, she gets to do it. She gets to be best girl. And the way she thinks a little bit differently. Yeah, she thinks a little bit differently because um like Ashami says, you can't you can't take on a Forsaken and she's like, Okay, I'm not going to. I'm gonna shield. Like I'm gonna yeah. do this a different way. Yeah. Um, which was really like she's clever. She's still She's quick and she's clever. Like she is best girl. <laughs> yeah, and she girl. got to see herself like be able to do that when Nynaeve couldn't, you know? And a little bit like, yeah, Nynaeve, mm-hmm. like, and Nynaeve never wanted all the attention, of course, right? Like, they, it was, that was like, mm-hmm. Egwene was kind of blaming her for that when she hadn't really asked for it and wasn't doing anything particular to earn it. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it's like, no, I actually am super, super powerful and, you know, you're sitting here doing I'm literally not shit. able to help at all. Like, yeah. you're the worst. Gills. <laughs> Mm. Elaine just had to cure mm. Rand because you're so fucking useless. So, um, mm. yeah, she it was cool to see her get to be as powerful as she is, and also for the audience just to see that because it's been a while since we saw her. It's been we it's been never since we saw her do something that really was outstandingly powerful, apart from the last couple of episodes with the Sean Shed, which makes sense because they like force her and and push her right. So, yeah. It's it good that we're getting careful to see what that. you wish for. Like she wanted the she wanted the skills until then, um, and this is she has gone through this awful traumatic experience. But she does she has gained those skills. Yeah. So it is. Yeah, it's a double edged sword. Yeah. Um, another thing about that that kind of the whole Demane thing, um, the spark versus non spark. They haven't really talked about sparkers and non-sparkers when Egwene uh reveals that Renna can channel it's you're just so weak in the power that the the you didn't get caught up I liked it this way better it was such a burn yeah yeah you're just really weak but you're still you're still like me um yeah. which is you know, harsh like, oh so perfect but then I wonder if that's a change in the mechanic if they're not going to do the whole some people have the spark and they will channel anyway. And some people don't. And they can learn. I'm pretty sure they're not doing it. And great. Mm. I, again, there's a lot of like overcomplicated yeah. mechanics in the Wheel of Time. We don't need it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make Like what difference does it make except for that Nynaeve gets bullied in the tower? Like. Yeah. It's And, and I suppose. I suppose the other difference it makes is the shot shed. And so if they want to do it this way and say there's some people who are like super super weak in the power like you might not know honestly it comes to the mm. same thing doesn't it yeah yeah so it works for me and just once fine. you get above a certain power level you're just going to channel and so yeah they haven't really 
done the channeling sickness or anything. So maybe that they're just doing away with all of that. And yeah, the last I thing so. I have here is that there were eight Demane on the boat ready to gentle uh, Rand, which is the right number according to the show. According the show has said eight. Yeah. Takes eight Aes Sedai to gentle. How many is it in the books? Fourteen? I want to go back to season one. I wanna uh thirteen. No, in 13. the books one person can one person can do it in the books. Um, oh. Um, yeah, it, I thought there, there was no, some like that here, Rand right. there's a number that Rand is specifically concerned about. But Egwene Oh yeah, no, Rand's concerned about thirteen because that many can overpower him whether he's holding the power or not. So the large number of Aes Sedai are threatening when they can make a full circle because they are like the top power level and they can overpower anything and you can also be turned to the dark through 13 Merdral. Um, it's right, not that yeah. like stealing and gentling can just ha- can happen. It depends on your power level, I think. Like, yeah, it's a quite a like complex weave. Um, but Egwene steals one of the Black Aja members in Teleran Riod in the Stone of Tia. Like people are kind of being stilled all over the place by like single yeah, people. Yeah, 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 for sure. Mm. Yeah, but it seems yeah, in the show they're right. setting up that like it takes eight. You're going to go with eight. Um, all right, I can accept eight. That's a yeah. arbitrary and eight fine by me. <laughs> yeah, 13 was obviously the number in the books because 13 is like unlucky, like, you know. And it's the number of Forsaken and it's, it pops up all over the place. It's like seven and in Harry still, Potter. Yeah, it's still an arbitrary number. It's just that we as a society or a Western society have decided that 13 is bad and unlucky. So that's what RJ used. Unless you're a Taylor Swift fan, then it's your lucky number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're reclaiming 13. We have, we have reclaimed 13. Um, all right. Anything yeah. else on those guys before we move into... I guess Rand, actually. Move yeah. things around. We can do Rand and then talk about Matt and Perrin. Yeah. Let's talk about Rand. All right. Um, so Rand versus Turok was the sickest thing I've ever seen in my life. Ah, I loved it. Fully erect. <laughs> Fully erect. Like, that was like... <laughs> yeah. Because, okay. Like, I would have, like... Okay. All right. Turok says... He's like, oh, the heron-marked blade. And I'm like, yeah, that's correct. And and he says, let's see what it takes to earn the heron-marked blade here. Yes, setting us up. And Rand just says, fuck you. Fuck you forever. And snaps his fingers and murders all of them at once. And it was just like... I loved it so much. It was so good. Because Rand has zero skill with a sword. Um, Turak has very main character energy. He's like, I am the main character. I'm the best. I am, you know, all this time without having any screen time. And then he just gets like bodied, which I, I love. <laughs> like, the fans got trolled because like a lot of those scenes have been in the promos, in the trailer. And everyone's like, oh my God, they're setting up the epic sword fight. And then they're like, ah, psych. Yeah, absolutely psych. Like, <laughs> so no. Fully kidding. Don't <laughs> mind us. That was awesome. And it, was, that. <laughs> it was so perfect how he did it. Yeah, j- exactly. Nobody got time yeah. for that. Just like, all right, just Turok, <laughs> fuck off. And then the fact that he does this so easily and murders all these dudes. And then and then proceeds to like disappear into ambiguity right now. 
he was yeah. able to make different threads. He was able to shoot all the people who, like, he didn't hit the voice, Turok's voice. Yeah. So we saw the ritual suicide, which gives us a little bit of that, like, more exposition of the Sean Chan and, and, and uh, insight into their culture as well. But uh-huh. Rand had, his, he's been practicing, he's been doing stuff. He was able to be really precise with where he put his, like, little blade, air blades. Yeah. He was. He did a great job and has come a long way. And I really enjoyed Ishmael later when he finds out that Turok is dead. And, like, he's, like, genuinely shocked by this. Like, that is one of the things that makes his plan turn to, like, right, well, good thing I just freed the rest of the Forsaken because we do be fucked. Like, you Ishmael's like, great, this has gone completely off the rails. Are you fucking kidding me? What do you mean Turok's dead and the horn is gone? Like, okay. So it's, that was, that was awesome and badass and emphasized well as being as badass as it was. And the fact that he just, Rand just disappears into obscurity after that. Like, he's able to, like, sneak in through the rest of the city following that moment yeah like yeah <laughs> I his cloak like what the fuck that was really cool and then of course we have ran being shielded that we talked about and mm. then, and then the stab hands up ran takes it on his feet yeah which is you know land said you know in, be like a man and take whatever comes on your feet and then he doesn't do that um, with the armalin with swan He's just like, Ugh. but here he's like all sad, brand shielded, and he still stands up on his feet and says yep. that he won't turn to the dark, um, which is quite a powerful moment to show his character as well. And then they were like, you're yeah. so much like lose. Yeah. And then, and then Matt stabs him. Oh, that was heartbreaking. <laughs> It Poor made Matt. honestly my the only thought that went through my head was we're fucking idiots. Yeah, how did we not realize <laughs> that was going to happen? Side wound. And you look at Ishamael. That man is not a sword fighter. He is that he works at a desk. He pushes papers. <laughs> but he is not a physical fighter. Like the way that they've set him up in the show. Oh, yeah, so, like, I can't see him doing a sword fight with Rand or anyone. No, but I would have thought that we would see him fight with the power. Like, I was surprised how kind of weak Ishamael comes off, but it's because of everything we said before. Like, he's not really interested in surviving this. So I think at that Mm -hmm. point when he sees that Rand is, like, definitely not on their side, he's for sure, like, okay, next turning. Like, he is fully given up. He's, he's like, great, kill me, whatever. And his default isn't to fight with the power. It's to make the plans and Mm -hmm. like like the stones board, like all that happening. So like even he comes out and he uses the power as part of setting up, like he uses the illusion and like he um, just like bats Egwene and Rand with the power and stuff. And I think that's like that may have come from the – Luz Thurin was like the most powerful and no one else is as powerful in him. So in, in terms of brute force and brute strength, Ishamiel's not going to hold a candle to him. Yeah, and he and Rand's it. got that strength. Yeah, she has got the skill. And but he's also got him. other ways he's had to adapt and use other strategies, um, which is interesting. 
I still think he's great, even though I kind of wanted to see him fight in the sky with Rand. Oh. Uh, he was still awesome. Yeah. I don't know how we didn't see Rand's side wound coming. That makes perfect sense. I wonder if that wound will be mm-hmm. doubled up upon because what are the two? Doesn't he gets he gets one of the stab wounds against Ishamael and then another from the ruby hilted yeah. dagger by Padden Fane much later, yeah. right? Like in like book the first seven one, or eight. Yeah, the first one is is the fight in the sky and he sheathes the sword. It's like right. the last lesson land gives him which he hasn't given him in the show so he opens himself up to be stabbed so that he can stab Ishamael um and then and then Lanfear does something to it so that's when Min finds him in the garden and puts him to bed and cuddles up against him and Lanfear appears and she's like they call me Lanfear and she like touches Rand and does something to him but Min can't it's Min's point of view so she can't see Mm. um the power or anything being used and then Nynaeve comes in and she's like oh I don't have the skill yet I'm not heckin touching that here's some herbs but then Moraine finds Rand and is like and is like what did you do I cut like this wound isn't healing it should heal what the fuck and Nynaeve's like I didn't do anything <laughs> like there's that little bit at the start of the dragon reborn because Rand Rand falls asleep so Rand's like unconscious for it and then we like wake up in the middle of winter later like with oh no it might be an epilogue that they're like this is what's happened while you were passed out um and they can't heal the wound so at, like i think lanfear did something to it but it might be just magical wound thing yeah and then later um when the, there's like a fog and Patton fanes stabs the wound with the ruby hilted dagger and then the man healer channeler ashaman dude like seals them together and that's what gives Rand the idea to cleanse the taint because they cancel each other out the two evils yes yeah 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 because he definitely and it I don't I assume that we're not gonna get the double stabbing and this will be the the wound that's like a problem Hmm. um and it's a pretty serious problem because they haven't they've barely even talked about the taint right like they've talked about like the risk that no, Rand goes mad, season. but they haven't mentioned the taint. They, they haven't mentioned that like, it, and it, you can see it. You can see the taint in the weaves. Mm. It's not being forgotten. It's just not a mechanic that they're harping on right now. So yeah, we also know. hear about it more from like Rand's inside Rand's head when he's like, every time he sees the power, it's the oily slickness. So we just get descriptions of like him feeling kind of ill when he uses the power, mm-hmm. um, which is, difficult to without him being like ew this feels so gross like <laughs> out loud which is a bit lame so which will, it probably will start to happen though when he starts gross. to get trained by Asmodian right like we'll probably get more conversation mm-hmm. about it or even you know there's that scene where is it Elaine and Egwene who try to help him try to teach him in tear yeah briefly yeah. Um, we might get something similar to that where they like they have some exposition where they try to like figure their shit out and he might explain it a little bit to someone so well but yeah but the, the point being that i don't think that they're exactly setting up the cleansing at this point so whether we have like two stab wounds mm-hmm. or if that matters like if that's what inspires him to do it i doubt it i think there'll be something else that informs his approach it's one of those things that it's gonna happen and we're gonna be like of course Never thought yeah, of that. Yeah, exactly. Well, just <laughs> like, like the stabbing. Else, like, oh, duh. 
Yeah. 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 Just like, yes, yeah, no shit. Of course. We're like, but how Rand can't well, be like stabbed with the ruby hilted dagger. Like Rand is in the book stabbed by the ruby hilted dagger. And we like didn't think about it. Like, yeah, that's a book <laughs> and an event. Like, why weren't we like, oh, yeah, this is him. Get- yes. Like, we're fucking idiots. I honestly was like, are you serious? Let's see. Like, he does get stabbed by yeah. that dagger. Why do you get what? Yeah, unreal. Um, and we still we still get <laughs> Elaine and Rand's little meet cute where Elaine fixes Rand up just like she does in the books when he falls out of the tree. Yep, and that felt so fucking poorly executed. It felt so ham-fisted and weird. Like I felt like that was not done great. I was happy about it, but I felt it was another one of those moments that made me be like, "Oh my god, really?" Who are no, you? I love it. It was Elaine. so awkward. Right? Like, who the fuck are you? And she's like, I'm Elaine. But she doesn't say her whole name, which I think is quite significant. She's she's unsure. She's like, I'm a stranger here and here I am. What the fuck is going on? Has ever, anyone even mentioned the dragon reborn to her before? Like they were No, I don't like, think so. <laughs> dude. So she's like, I think her like, um, I'm Elaine. It just, just I think it was the way that it was like so ethereal, the way it was filmed and the music, and it just made it so Ah, like. No, I love it. It's the, it's, she's a freaking Disney princess, and I need someone to make a gif of Ariel. You know, she's like, um, in the part of your world, reprise. So bad. So bad. (laughs) I guess, like, bro. (laughs) Um,. Should we move on to Perrin? Do we have anything else on Rand? Other than that Rand has proclaimed himself the dragon. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't even proclaim himself. He stands there and is like, Huzzah, I do be the dragon. And and there's people have a positive reaction to this, same. right? I think the positive reaction is that they've defeated the Sean Chan. Yeah, that's a good point. So the city, the bells are going and they're like, yeah, yeah, we won. So they're like, woo. And then there are people at the top of the tower and they're like, woo. And then there's this dragon thing. So they're like, woo, which I think is very similar to the end of the second book where he has the fight across the sky and people are like, woo, that, they're like, whoa, this thing happened. Let's draw pictures of it. It must be the dragon reborn because he hasn't really proclaimed himself. It was just yeah. this event happened. Um, and then the Sean Chan were gone. So it's very, very similar. As in, it's almost exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> I wonder what what it will mean because of the prophecy does say this is going to be him proclaiming himself. So I wonder what the fallout of this will be at the start of season three. Of Like, are they going to take this as his, like, everybody knows the dragon's reborn again. Like, because in the books, it doesn't take especially yeah. long before everyone is aware that the dragon's been reborn and the dragon is a thing. Yeah, they're aware. The dragon is there. But it's not until Tyr that they're like, the dragon is Rand Althor. This is the name that we can put to the face. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Once he gets Kalendor and he kind of, like, that's his whole business being in Tyr, right? So, well, it's after he's proclaimed himself at Tom and Head, right? right? And then yeah. owns it at Tyr. Kind of halfway proclaims himself and then proclaims himself properly. And that's when he kind of takes on the mantle. He decides this is what he's doing, Um, which is a little different to the show because he seems to have accepted that. But he's not actively working towards it. Like, I think think he's only just come to a place where he's ready to, like, I I think the start of season three will be him saying, like, probably to Moraine, hopefully with some level of trust, uh, that, like, 
all right, what are the prophecies? Like, what is, like, start reading the prophecies himself and educating himself on what he's meant to do and how things are supposed mm-hmm. to go and start owning the, I'm going to connect, you know, bring the whole world together. Because that's kind of what he accepts in tier, mm-hmm. right? It's like he accepts, like, the political responsibility mm-hmm. of being the dragon and is just like, okay, like, yes. I'm going to be in charge of the city and, like, fuck you and does, like, makes, like, crazy decisions around, like, food rations and stuff. And then I was like, all right hold it down i'm about to go take over the next city and like begins that process yeah of, of like political consul- yeah, consolidation so far, so far in the tv show he has been separating himself from his friends he's learning a little bit about how to protect himself he is seeking out Logan because he's kind of like how do you control it i don't want to like i i don't want to be a random nuke um let's see yeah. if we can like and he does have that little bit of self-preservation as well like I don't really want to die um and and then it's all about kind of helping his friends he has to do these things because he's friends which is really book accurate like he goes to farm and it's because they're trying to find the dagger for Matt like that's kind of his like um explicit to himself motivation for the whole plot of that book is I'm doing this for Matt and then once that's done I'm going to disappear um, yeah. But then implicitly it's like, oh, yeah, but you're the Dragon Reborn. Um, so it is, it is very similar, I guess. It works for me. I'm happy about it. I think there's a lot less like, angst from Rand, which is great. Like, I'd love to see him, like, yes. spring into action in season <laughs> so three. Good. Yeah. Like, that's – I I liked everything he did in this, even if we didn't have a ton of insight into, like, his – mindset i think we're gonna get that more in season three and that's fine they had a whole lot of shit outside of him to set up this season and and to just sort of like deal with and get people where they need to be and i think we have plenty of time to deal with his mindset and like his taking over as being the dragon in the third season so i'm here for the way that they're setting it up even though i'm disappointed that we spent a whole fucking season doing book two like oh my god (laughs) But it was so good. It was good, but I'm just like, I want it to be book four already. Jesus fuck. Like, I just wanted to end ready to walk into book four. Yeah, I know. And I'm sure that we will basically walk into book four. I just, I thought we'd be a little further along. I want another two episodes. Two more episodes, we could have gotten to fucking the waste. That's all I'm saying. I just, you know. We always want more. We always want more. But speaking of Avienda, she's here. (gasps) She's still with Perrin. Um, my yeah. biggest problems were with the parent stuff. Yeah. I just wander into farm. They're just like, do, 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 do. Yeah. The no. IEL just, nobody gives a, nobody gives a shit. Even though they mentioned that a hundred times, like how big a deal it is to buy B-I-E-L. These IEL who are like covered in blood, carrying like multiple yeah. spears apiece. Nobody fucking cares at all. Sure. Because the Sean Shen don't actually know about IEL. Yeah, and just but they stuck out. Even just us looking at them, they stuck out. Yeah. It's like, like dude. these are warriors coming into the city. Yeah, and like, I mean, I get that Falm would have been like really far removed from the IEL war, but if Tam fought in the IEL war, there's no reason that like it's just that was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but not the part that bothered me the most. I, the things that bothered me the most were. The cut scene where the horn is regained, right? Yeah, they're just there. They're like, hey, we got it. We got it. Nobody worry. Are you fucking kidding me? I had that was. They said a lady from Kyrian helped us, and I was like, 
oh, I wonder who that is. And then it wasn't until Lanfear was taken, talking to Bail Domon and he's like, you're a long way from Kyrian. I was like, oh, duh. The lady from Kyrian is Lanfear. She's like, she's just there like, here you go. That Which probably was what the scene would have been. That makes sense. I don't know that that was part of the well part of the the stones board manipulation that the um, Forsaken are doing through that. It's part of yeah. all that. I actually didn't catch that. That yeah, it was, it was a bit weird. I just was like, "What <laughs> the fuck? Like, what do you mean? You just have yeah, the horn? Like, have. they should have." The, yeah, that could have been more explicit. And then the other thing that like really, really bothered me more than it needs to is loyal speech. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. That sounded so good in the trailer and so shit in the episode. It was the most unearned, cool thing that I've ever heard that like is 100% applicable <laughs> and should be said about this group of people mm-hmm. by loyal. Not today. That was the most unearned shit. I was so frustrated by that. I think that whole um, that uh, storyline, so Perrin with his Aiel and then gathering the Shinarans, um, it's a lot like a random D&D campaign. <laughs> like it's this like random motley crew of randoms that come together and then they just like collect each other as they go. Um, yeah. And so, like, like even just walking and then, like, Matt comes running and it's kind of funny. It's, like, a little bit humorous. And they're like, ah, and they're like, who are these guys? And then there's just these randos, like, total collection. So, like, the whole tone of that arc was just a little bit different. It was a little bit heist film. Yeah, without showing the heist, like, even at all. And, like, that just this idea that, like, we are the heroes of today. And I'm like, dude nobody's done like this group most of the people most of the people in the show are still under the impression that rand is dead and the dark one also dead yeah why did that why should loyal even think think that there's what what the fuck i the the, i think that that fake out for the characters and for the the viewers in season one of like this is the last battle and the dark friend is dead and like that fake out really is not serving them like, I need everybody to know that that's not, like, I'm confused about who knows what at this point, and that sucks. Yeah, what's going on? This this plotline also is the most, like, convenient things happening for the plot that gets explained away by the whole Tavirin thing. Yeah. Which is kind of like, uh, well, we have this mechanic that does explain it away. So it is kind of okay, which is very clever. Um, but then it is all these convenient things happening. Um yeah, so like I enjoyed it, but yeah, it was a little bit like all these convenient things are happening. I guess that's Tavirin, but only because I know. Like we haven't mentioned Tavirin really the whole season, all of season two, most of season one. So for as good a job as it's doing mm-hmm. of of incorporating a lot of different elements and mechanics, there's others that it's leaving out. So like all the more reason to not include the overcomplicated ones. But yeah, like it just. There was just there was enough here that just it didn't it didn't feel quite right to me. And Inktar's death is another bit. I'm like, so what is the purpose of Inktar? Mm. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm, I think it sets up Masima. I think it sets up Masima. Because so? um 
Yeah, the way he's like, because he says all the lines in the books, like 50, a lone man can hold 50 here and stuff. And I'm like, here, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And it, I don't, th- I think if Ingtar had like confessed to Perrin or Loyal at that point, it would have been weird as well. Like it, that's, that's a little bit unearned. I think it would have made that plot line a little bit more weak. Um, oh, but totally. Just sacrificing himself. And as he dies, the next shot is like Messina's face of him reacting to it. Um, mm. And then later when you have Rand up, they're like, yeah, the dragon, the dragon, whatever. Um, you get shots of like Lanfear being like, oh, well done, boy. Um, and you get Masima like starting his thing. So I actually was wondering at the at that moment when Ingtar died and I saw Masima, I was wondering if both of them are dark friends and Ingtar dying kind of in service to the light would be Masima being, you know, the whole, what's the saying? No, you, no one can walk so long in the dark that they can't turn to the light or whatever it is. Yeah. going to take that on. And that's part of his, um, him becoming the prophet and being like rabid about it because he has to make up for the bad shit that he did. Um, it that's just, interesting. Um, that could work. He didn't do it then. But I think that Ingtar's storyline, because they were setting up him being a dark friend with all everything he was saying, and then it kind of didn't go anywhere. And the dark friend social, like one of them was there. But then there was that that Shinaran who they find dead, who was with the dark friends. Like that could easily have been the Shinaran dark friend at the dark friend social. That's um, a good point, but that would be disappointing. But it could also be, it could have been Ingtar, and maybe we find out via Masima, like maybe like I think that's part of Masima's arc if they go that way that could be interesting I could I can I can wait patiently for that if that's the case I just don't think anyone cared that Inktar died like good good guy bad guy like I just I was like all right that didn't it just didn't hit it was like all right like I could <laughs> give, give a shit about this whole Motley crew like I don't apart from Perrin like I really don't care like even Loyal who I obviously love Loyal but like show loyal right now there's nothing wrong with him but it's just he hasn't been with the main characters he's been kind of not doing anything like Mm -hmm. i'm like you know whatever i really just kind of don't care about them so i'm like okay yeah um someone else who i tragically don't think we were given enough time to care about even though it was harrowing it was hopper's death so parents storyline had the two big deaths uh that was what when they the IEL spot the fog that the white cloaks are making and they're like a lot of people are going to wake from the dream today and then Perrin goes mm, and then there's a shot of Hopper and you're like and as soon as that happened I was like no Hopper's going to wake from the dream today and then he tells him to stay and I'm like you can't do that with like a partner but I think Hopper's a doggo and so there are different doggo rules in terms of attachment so as soon as you have a doggo following a character for a couple of episodes everyone's attached to him and I think like him dying was devastating and yeah I think it was and it was there's less attachment in the books like Hopper and never even talk they're not even like buddies like bros they and Perrin goes wild because like he, he does his berserker thing so I think yeah, you're right. They don't really become close until after he's dead in the dream, right? Yeah, and I think also having your doggo killed, even if you don't see that much interaction, no one's going to question the parent going berserk over that. Like, 
It's just the way that we I are. guess that's true. Like, I just, I wanted them to, like, have more conversations. Like, we didn't see, as much as I, like, complained about the look of the sending when we saw them, I we didn't see any more. And we haven't really seen them bond, except that, like, Hopper's there, and then Perrin, like, tells him to wait. And I'm like, yeah. well, but I... That's what you need for a dog in bonding. If it was a person, it would be different. Yeah. But I think dog just being with you that's bonding you like no they just get the to chat so much in the, like, in the books but it's it's not until later that they really chat so i guess i guess i i look forward to like more hopper when we get him in the dream and perrin gets to go in the dream like that'll be good yeah yeah but it was pretty sad and it was like very like i definitely know people who will not be able to watch that shit mm. it has to there's that website does the dog die yeah like trigger warnings and stuff like that needs yeah. to be a warning for I know a lot of people who like cannot handle that. and the way the way it happened like with the with Dane Bornhold and he's like oh two rivers and they're like fighting side by side and then Jeffram just comes in and just goes whack and then mm-hmm. walks off like it doesn't even matter and then Perrin going and killing him and Dane like Dane's reaction was heartbreaking he's like oh no like my dad and oh, that set up so much better than in the books for their so much yeah oh i wholeheartedly approved of it and and of just mm-hmm. and of Perrin being like no fuck you like you did not just kill my dog like uh, this is over yeah. and the and really the axes tied axes everywhere yes yeah axes, like, axes everywhere so much with axes yeah it's being that's being set up great for Perrin. i'm excited for him to deal with them I guess in the two rivers, like fight with axes, like that seems to be their main weapon. It's um something I haven't, I didn't notice earlier on, but I'm like that is interesting because then that gives Perrin's um his journey about the axe because it represents white cloaks as well as representing like death and destruction and all that. So it makes that a little bit more interesting, a bit more nuanced as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was good. The Perrin stuff was. It's where a lot of my complaints were, but it also is like Perrin had a really satisfying overall season of not doing very much, but being set up really well. Like I, Perrin was like the most boring this season, but also had the most book stuff and is the most like, yeah, the setup is all there for Perrin to like have a really devastating emotional arc. (laughs) Like I, it's going to be good. Like it's being, it's being done well. Hmm. And I think the, the Perrin is the most difficult because he is so introspective. He does a lot of thinking and not much doing and not much talking. And the things yeah. he does do makes a lot of sense in the books because you've listened to his like inner monologue for eight pages. So mm. it's, it seems like he's not doing much, but he's thinking about it. He's, yeah, things are happening and he's aware of it and he's taking things in. Um, so, yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, but the best, the best, very best, is the last section, which is Matt. Matt from Bloody Cawthon is is here to play. He's, like, in our sandbox now. Yes. What were your thoughts? Did you like it? Are you, like, there were a lot of changes. There was was lots of Oh, my gosh. Again, another, like, really neatly tied up, really neatly set up. Um, Yeah, so good, Matt. Yeah leaving Matt alone with his thoughts and the way he like ties the dagger to the thing he's like prototype Ashandarai 
if that's what it is, maybe he keeps it. I don't know. Oh, I think we're keeping it. And the whole, yeah. And then, so he's already decided he's not going to touch the dagger. He's not going to give in. Because with the last time we saw him, Charmiel's like cradling him and stroking his face and being like, you're, you're just, you're going to be one of us. And it looks like Matt's like, yeah, it's the only way. Um, but then we we come in here, he's obviously rejected that. He's not going to turn to the dark. He's decided that before he's remembered he's a hero, which I think is an important distinction in terms yeah, for of sure. character. Mm-hmm. And so he uses his inventiveness and gets out. And, and I love that. I love that Fane just runs away screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to pick it up for sure. I thought we were going back down the rabbit hole and we were going to do the full healing mm-hmm. And I was not happy. Yeah. And I was like, Matt, put it mm-hmm. down. Like, I don't fucking touch it. And yeah, I thought this was such a cool change from the books of like, so I guess what this, I guess yeah. what I'm taking this to mean is that while the dagger is always tempting, I think it is to everybody, right? Like Matt is healed of the dagger and he found, a, he just is using it to, get out but now it might be his special weapon this might be the Ishandra like and I could get down like that this is a special thing but he's yeah. not like addicted to it it doesn't create a problem for him maybe maybe yeah. yes Perrin forge it properly way. into a spear yeah thinking about it in a different way which is a real is interesting um commentary on the idea of like mental health and um because Matt's been set up as like from the beginning, he's not privileged. He's poor. He's dirty. He, um, even when he's when he's traveling with Rand at the beginning, and he's like, "I'm cold. Can we swap coats?" And Rand's like, eh, "You're just a little bit cold." But Matt doesn't yeah. have the resources that Rand has to start with, so he's starting at a lower point. And then he's able to like this dagger, which is his like struggle through season one and even like into season two, his struggle of like, who is he that he's had all this background, um, the way his mother talks to him and talks about him and the way he's framed himself as a person. And then he's able to like use that in a different way, in a positive way, rather than just being like healed, gone, and now I'm good. Like, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. It's more his own journey than it is like somebody snaps their fingers and he's like a different person. Mm. Like yeah. it's and yeah. he's so so anxious to um to be so when he's there and, and then he's got the horn and they're like run get it to Rand he's like no I want to help I'm not running away like it's so important to him that he doesn't run away doesn't repeat his past mistakes he's like really come to terms with what his mistakes were and he's like I don't want to do it and so he's so anxious yeah. and then ultimately he's reassured that you need to like you need to run away he's reassured that what he's doing is equally as important but different to what the others are doing. Yeah. Um, or even more important, he has to get there. And then he blows the motherfucking horn. Oh, my God. And so, okay, the horn looked cool, first of all, right? Like, the design of the yeah. horn, I approve of. Yeah, like, not, like, European. Yes. And the way that the the heroes moved was really cool. And... yeah. Like, 
I still felt like this moment was a little bit like weird and rushed. I kind of was like, was this set up enough? Like, do people understand what's going on? Like, he just was like, I remember. So I'm one of you guys. And they're like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's like, dope. And I'm like, that was fast. That was whiplashy. But it was also fire. Like, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not sure that it was executed perfectly. I think it maybe was like an eight and a half out of ten execution on that. But it was still really cool. Like, yeah, but I don't know how don't they would have done it better. Me either. And Uno was there. And Uno's there. Yeah, Uno's there. And he, like, saves Perrin later. And and one of them takes the horns. Yeah. You notice this? Like, I wonder what happens now to the horn. Yeah. Because what they haven't established yeah. Where is, it? is that only the dragon can blow it or this idea that, like, once you've blown the horn, like, that's it. Like, there's only the one go. Or only Matt now yeah. can blow it again and have it work. Like, and someone he's the horn guy said, now. They haven't on established the, that. On one of, someone said on one of the discords, and I don't know who it was or which one, that like, it's going to respawn under the throne in Faldara. Which would be hilarious. Like, okay, we got to go back up to Shina and get the horn back. <laughs> Good thing we can learn to travel okay, now. Yeah it, is, it, yeah, it was really cool the way you, I think it's Amaresu like flicked it away um, oh please and, um, i couldn't tell did you did you notice that it was that we had arthur hawkening is it is that what it said in the in the yeah. x-ray in the x-ray arthur hawkening <laughs> arthur hawkening um i i did clock arthur hawkening remember in season 1 in season 1 episode 8 Ishmael was credited as Ishmael. It was the character's name was Ishmael, and yeah. then later was changed to Mysterious Man or something. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> Sometimes like, those X-rays are like you spelled it wrong. Yeah, it's not it's not immaculate from the X-ray. Um, yeah. But we also got Birgitta for sure. Although I'm certain she'll be recast. She doesn't do anything. The shot. The shot that pans across the the heroes that goes past Uno and past Begita, she it's an odd shot. She's there, and then her eyes track something. Her eyes like move across, and she's like not in it. Like it looks okay, but I'm like she's just standing there. Like she's not acting. She's not being like I'm a fierce warrior. Like it looks like no. she's extra, or she's a um, she's a um. Um, what are they called? The fighty people that do the stunt people. Like she's a stunt person that's been put in who's yeah. not necessarily ready to be like, I'm the main face actor. I do the body acting. Like it, yeah. It, yeah, it was It was really odd. It screams just placeholder, which fine because yeah. she doesn't need to do anything, but she had on like the the flowy pants that she wears and she had a bow and she had blonde hair and like that'll do. Like when Birgitta cool. gets introduced, um, it'll no one will care. People will go back and be like, "Oh, that's supposed to be yeah. Birgitta. It'll be fine." If that is the actress that plays Birgitta, they've done her a real dirty. Oh, they, that's I, not going to be her. Um, they're not. They don't do that yeah. that early <laughs> yeah. to have like the one pan over for someone who they're not going to have for like Birgitta will not be in the show for like. Fuck the way they're pacing it now. Probably the heat death of the sun. Like I don't. I don't see us getting Brigitte until like season four at least. She turns up in book four 
Fairly yeah, early. see, and the way they're tracking now, like that's that sounds about right. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do a whole season for book three because they've done a lot of it already. Like, I think we might go into it. It might be next season. They cannot possibly. The know. only thing that still gets me about that is that tier feels like a climax, not how you start. But honestly, mm. it could be how we start. We might start just like yeah. on fire in tier, being like, "Yeah, oh yeah. well, it's been three months since Rand proclaimed yeah. himself the dragon. Here we are in this new city, dear diary." Like they might just do that. Like fucking God help us. Like let's go. But uh, a thought that I just had just now is that. Because Avienda and Bane and Chiad were cast and they're in season two and we've seen them and that we knew that they were in farm, I think the fandom kind of assumed that all of the Aiel were going to be battling in farm and they weren't. So we haven't actually got the Aiel as a people yet, which um, I just realized that we were all expecting. Uh, yeah, I definitely was expecting like I'm like what the yeah. like we are pacing so fucking slowly and there's just a lot to do in the waste that's more than a couple of episodes mm. worth of shit right or at least at least it's two episodes worth of stuff to like get there and get introduced to everybody and then do Ruidian and then although mm. a decent bit to keep us on track with what we were talking about a decent bit of the Ruidian stuff is kind of covered by Matt at this point because so Matt's got his memories from being mm -hmm. a hero of the horn not from going through the archway at Ruidian so that's pretty yes. cool I like this change this works for me it makes a lot of sense yes but he doesn't have his scar from being hanged he doesn't have his medallion so there still is the opportunity for him to go once through the doorway there is. That's true. To get to the go. medallion. but Or he could end up getting it an entirely different way, just like he just did with the memories. And as far as the scar goes, he doesn't need to have a scar. Matt Matt dresses wonderfully. He can still wear his scarf and everyone will enjoy <laughs> it. Like the scar, the scar is really kind of yeah. in not, it's like it's that tall. Like it's like the scar is fine. I understand that it's part of his psyche and stuff, but I'm they're doing enough interesting yeah. stuff with his character. I don't think he needs that. I, I don't think it's in it's that important. So and the medallion the medallion's probably important. And the hat, of course. You know, I would like for him to to score the hat yeah. somewhere, but he just, we'll, we'll, he just he'll get his kit. Waste, though. Yeah, he'll get his kit regardless. Um, so I think Something that uh, some people have been concerned about is that now he has his memories and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, Matt's set up now and there's no more growth. But I think that's not true. So he's found, he's gotten his memories. He's like, holy shit, like I am worth something. I'm a hero. I'm going to like be badass and do this fighting mm -hmm. thing. He's on top of the world. He's like, I'm going to go save Rand. I can do it. I'm a hero of the horn. And he runs up to Rand and then stabs him with a fucking spear. And he goes, yeah. oh, shit. So I don't think that arc has finished he's he's always going to be struggling with that he can still take actions he's not infallible now that he knows or that he knows he's a good person that he's always he has to make decisions and that things are going to happen um yeah and he doesn't do anything to fix that after that he's just kind of there he doesn't take anything he isn't able to help elaine has to come and heal he's not able to like defeat a shamel or anything it's just one of those um, he's just kind of there. So that is interesting. And I think we've still got more character growth for him and character development with his memories. And that could line up with him being, I'm no bloody hero. 
I can still fuck mm. up. So yeah, he could still be on that track. I I would say so, and I think he also still doesn't have his luck. So there's like big aspects of Matt that are mm. cool that we don't have yet. So I think there's still a lot. I, I think it's interesting that they're giving him his memories before his luck because it gives him an opportunity to like embrace that part of being Tavirin and what does Tavirin mean as far as being a hero of the horn and probably explain that concept a lot better through him in season three of like all the heroes of the horn are Tavirin and here's what that means and I'm gonna try and leverage it I could see Matt getting his luck because he's smart being like wait I'm a Tavirin and I understand what that means because I have these memories so like watch this and not necessarily luck in the way that we see it where he's just lucky and he knows he's going to win. Like it could just be leveraging the memories to his advantage. Sure. Yeah, that's possible that it doesn't come down to like dice landing weirdly every time. It could it could mm-hmm. manifest in a different way as much as I would love to see him like win every game of dice. I just want to see him spin around in a circle when he gets into the tower. That's the that's what I like when he's in the tower of Genji and it's like, where do we go? And he's like, I don't fucking know. And he's spins in a circle and like he's lucky. So it points Happy the way man. out. Like, that's awesome. Like, yeah, yeah let it, the random stuff with Matt is really cool. So I hope we I hope they keep that just because it's like a super fun construct. But I still think there's plenty of room for him to like grow and learn more about his powers. And I think also like potentially find some stigma in the world, you know, and in terms of like, because he Mm -hmm. has the whole thing with Brigitte of like accidentally speaking the old tongue, which we see him do in this episode and not wanting to do that. Relationship with Brigitte already, like that, because that buddy relationship that they have is my favorite. And it is that shared memory thing, even though Matt's like not telling anyone that he has these memories. But like, yeah, I think that sets that up really cool as well. Yeah, I I like the way this is going. And I'm just glad that he gets to like have some breakthrough of like not being the worst before the season ends so that people who haven't read the books aren't just like, Lindsay, stop talking about your asshole because I keep telling everyone how much I like this guy. (laughs) Nobody understands why. So at least now he gets to like do a couple of cool things. So I'm excited for that. And I'm I'm also um, with regard to his kit. And just back to the dagger real quick. Mm-hmm. I think it makes a lot of sense for him to keep the dagger all the way through because the dagger, there's no reason necessarily in the show to say this isn't true, gets him out of Finland just as well as the Ashendari as far as we know. It opens up all the things. They use mm-hmm. it to get into the box that's locked with the uh, horn in it and it leaves the like residue from uh, Shatter Logoth. And like, there's no reason in my mind, that they can't escape Finland just as well with that as with the Ashendari. I think he should just hold on to that. I think it's cool. Yeah, it is a, um, it's definitely a possibility. Like the subtle knife in his dark materials, just like cut through dimensions. Like that'd be sick, right? Yeah. And um, it will represent his temptation as well. Yeah. Keep him with some growth, some stuff to battle, some like, Mm And, and, like, accepting, like, I could see keeping that thing with him as his, like, acceptance of, like, where he came from, but also, like, that he's a hero and where he's yeah. going and what his role to it's play always is. always going to be part of him. Yeah. Like, and then hopefully we get to see the girls, right? Hopefully we get to see the girls on their way to the tower, mm-hmm. his sisters. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah, and get him be, to him to be able to see them because he never sees them, right? It's Rand sees them. They're with they're with Varen. Mm. Um, so Perrin sees them, Rand sees them, yeah. but not Matt. And Egwene has some interactions with them because she's like, I'm not your friend. 
I'm the fucking yeah, Emily. That's Kate. right. At the take you seriously, tower. bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I hope that Matt gets to see them on their way. Like, even if it's really tor- even if it's like the even if it's in the last battle. But I just can't wait for Matt to like get his wardrobe. So now, now I'm like, okay, things I'm continue to be impatient for for Matt. I would like him to see him throw some dice. I'd like to see his wardrobe. And I'd like to see Pips. Mm-hmm. But we did get his wardrobe a little yeah. bit in Nynaeve's third task. Like we got a heads up of like, no, Matt is yeah, like the fucking yeah. best. Like we got to mm-hmm. see him be awesome a little bit. Yeah, and so much slash across the eye this season for him. Mm, <laughs> no slash across the eye. Been multiple yet. times when he's lying there, no eye. So yep. that is a positive, unless it's just a, like a little nod to book readers. It could be. It could just be like we're not going to Finland. He's not going to lose his eye. Here's him without an eye like multiple times. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see what he like once we get through. When Ruidian is over, we'll know. Because we'll either see him go through the arches and tear, which I still really hope happens. I love that scene. And have the prophecies. Mm -hmm. Or he'll get some prophecies in Ruidian because it's very possible that they take everything yeah. that happens in the tier archways and put them in Ruidian for Moraine and them too. Just have it yeah. be all one thing um, where they get to ask yeah. the questions, right? And Matt gets yeah, his little get prophecies. Or something goes wrong for him and he ends up with extra stuff, which is kind of how it goes anyway. He ends up with like extra bits and pieces and Mm-hmm. Any more answers because they're trying to hustle him out of there because of the saver. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, either way, I was happy. Hopefully, about that. we don't need to wait too long for season three. Writer strike is over. Years. Yeah, hopefully, it'll only be eighteen months, but it'll probably be thirty. They didn't shut down production. They have been filming without the writers. Good. Um, because it's already written. It just means that there weren't writers on set, which I don't – it's a bit concerning because it might end up not so smooth. You need writers yeah, on set. Yeah, they'll have to do like pickups. Run, you know. Yeah, and things. They'll have them yeah, in we'll, post. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and I but, think it's not a SAG after production. It's something else so that – so the – um it's I covered on the different unions so they can still work. So, but – who knows? It'll probably be released on their normal schedule, whatever their scheduling was anyway, so it could still be two years because maybe that's what they want to do. Yeah, it might just be two years. A lot of their stuff is. Like, The Boys is about to be two years, and it's, like, their most popular show. Like, Yeah, but they've done that, that other, the V, the Generation V. They've kind of Yeah, Gen V's out now. In the meantime? Yeah. But bumped, it's bumped Wheel of Time off number one in Australia. And there was something else that popped up and now it's number three. Yeah, the like, release schedule on that is like, know? why are they doing that to themselves? Well, they got a whole bunch of good stuff. So you keep paying for their service. I don't know. I just figured they would like we'll try see. to stagger it. But yeah. But anyway, I think that pretty much takes us to the end here. But I, I do think um, you up for coming back next weekend to do a final wrap up with Scott? Yeah, I'd love to speak to Scott. I feel awesome. like I'm the other co-host that you're like cheating 
on him with me. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. Because I never get to s- talk to him. It's been a real sexy little affair, though. I've been having so much yeah. fun talking books with you for the last like what six yeah. weeks now. Yeah, and then kind of telling Scott all about it as well. You're like, oh yeah, we talked about this already. You don't get to. Talk oh, about totally. It. Where I'm like, and yeah, we already hit on that. So whatever's gone. Like, well, because we've been recording second, and so he's like getting, you know, he's yeah, he's not getting the best of me. That's I save that. I save that for Saturday <laughs> nights at one o'clock in the morning with you. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, do you um, want to you want to plug all your your stuff? Yeah, so I do a podcast with my sisters. It's called Isn't It Neat. We're at Isn't It Neat Pod at all the places. Um, and at Gmail as well. And we just released an episode about the show I did called Sweet Charity. I did an amateur musical and the girls came to see it and then we talked about it because it was neat. (laughs) We're having a big recording day today because we've got to get back up so that we've got more, like I had to to, um, record and then release within a week and I barely made it, which is why that episode is more than an hour long because I was like, I I don't have time to cut this down anymore. Uh, and that yeah, is also like why our schedule. Dark Friends social first season or episode six and seven is going to be late as fuck. Like that's going to be, look out for that. Like tomorrow, I guess I'm doing my best guys. Things have been crazy. Um, but check us out at all the usual places. Everything will be in the Instagram post and the episode description, but we're go behind the timeline at Gmail behind timeline at Twitter and go behind the timeline uh, at Instagram and check out the website, sign up for Patreon, do all of the good things. Thank you guys for being with us through the wheel of time. We'll be back for one last wrap up next week. And then, and then back to your regularly scheduled timeline programming, I guess. And we have like Batman and Robin, which just like feels so fucking weird, but then we'll, we'll be, so we'll be back in like Yay. 1997, I guess after this. Um, but it's been real. It's been real. Stay nerdy, guys. We'll see you for for the last recap next week.